Hello, this is the audio-only version of the Council on Future Conflicts. If you prefer video, please join us on the Future Conflicts channel on YouTube. If you'd like to watch the show live and participate in the chat, the show begins at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, as well as a special Saturday evening show at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you so much for listening, subscribing, sharing our show with friends, and reviewing us on your podcasting app of choice. Now on with the show. All right. Good morning, everybody. Uh, we weren't exactly on time, but we were close, right? Uh, so uh, welcome to the uh, channel. Welcome to uh, Writers Fix Problem YouTube. Uh, this is the Council on Future Conflicts. Uh, my name is Scott McCullough. I'm the host of the channel. Uh, the host of the show. I run things. Watcher's not here this morning, uh, or he's not here yet, I should say, uh, but I'll have to be pushing buttons and moving the map and things like that until he gets here. Uh, but um, so everything is uh, looking up for for me on this Monday morning. I mean, you know, it's Monday evening for me. Uh, Joe, how are you feeling today? Well, I'm feeling like our meme game will not be as on point without Watcher. But uh, other than that, I'm that is wondering. that is a true that. that that is a true we'll have to uh entertain them on personality and wit alone uh and i see we went from 17 to 16 people so i don't know if if they if they believe that we could do that uh mike how are you doing i have to quickly unmute um <laughs> i'm going back for I, I tend to keep it on mute that's that i was guilty before of some kind of echo so I, i'm a little paranoid i'm doing fine thank you yeah, that's well. good, man. I, I thought maybe you were like mid coffee guzzle, you know. Well, there, there's that's there's a good probability that that's uh, possible. <laughs> I hear <laughs> I hear you, brother. I you know, I, while I am I'm not afflicted with the uh, the uh, habit of of drinking coffee. I definitely understand those that you who you know that that do. Uh, it's it's definitely. I think Rick is in, of the same mind. Uh, he's a uh, he's he's on a second cup already. Let's go over and, and oh, by the way, you guys can see Ron, but Ron is not here yet. He's he just jumped in and he's got some uh, errands to run, and he said it'll take him a little bit before he'll be uh, live. I'm sure he'll. You no, know, he's, he's really out getting beanie weenie and spam because the rest of the world insists on starting World War Three. Well, I mean, you know, he could maybe maybe he uh, maybe he was uh, waking up and went out to get the paper and he saw some poor, uh, poor guy saran wrap to a stop sign down the way. And he decided that maybe, uh, you know, the end of the world was nice. So could be. Could be. Let's look. Let's look and see who's in the chat with us today. Uh, Rick is here. What's the Vegas line on on top? You know, we were pretty, I think, three minutes. I think we were three minutes late. That's not bad. I mean, I'll be honest with you. You know, normally, um, normally I do something stupid and, and that causes us uh, uh, from being on on time start. But it's never a lack of intention. Um Let's see. And of course, uh, Joe, Joe, you kindly are not refraining uh, from comment. Uh, Bionic B, good morning to you. Any any good? Uh, I'll look for this in the chat. Any good uh, cams popping up? I saw one the other day that was it was on top of a high building. It was panning around the city and it showed like a, 
you know, fires in the distance from artillery strikes and things like that. It's pretty cool. She's and of I've course she's her looking for some in Africa right now. Um, just some pretty rough unrest in South Africa. So, oh, is man, do you guys remember? I mean, we could have done a week of shows alone on on how bad it got. Was it last year or was it the yeah, year? If you want to see a sweet article on that, <laughs> I wrote an article about what happened in KwaZulu Natal. Yeah. And even recently, it got reviewed by some South Africans who lived through it, and they're like, dude, it was spot on and it been perfect. But um, we have to really watch what happens in South Africa because whatever happens there is eventually going to happen here because they're well, a victim of the same politics and the same one. So. One of the things that I think was really interesting, I mean, we all know that, the, you know, after a lot of the farm murders that have gone on, um, you know, the, you know, the, the Afrikaans communities have really kind of got their shit together as far as, you know, trying to band together for mutual self-defense and self-aid well, and, and things and like that. That was the whole point of my article is, is what, what solved that problem was not the South African police service or the South African army. The local the groups, right? Councils. Yeah. And and the and the thing that that I took a lot of heart from was that it wasn't just white uh, white people; it was yeah. white no. people and and, no. and Indians and other Africans that were you know basically <laughs> saying, "Listen, you know, we're stakeholders in this uh, this community, and we're not going to let people just come in here and destroy uh, what we have." So, a no, big I, article is don't fall for the hype, right? So, anyway, yeah, you, you you know maybe maybe it would be worth us, you know. Kind of you, sometimes you have to look backwards to know what's coming, right? And I think mm -hmm. the kind the kind of things that we're going to see in the future are a lot more like what we saw in South Africa. That kind of sharp breakdown in, uh, you know, in, in in civil order and and just rampant destruction. Of, it it uh, followed my seventy two hour theory spot on one hundred percent. And so, um, Diatica, good morning. I'd love to see the mods in the house. Danielle. Okay. So yes, this is, this was awful nice of uh, Andrew from a legal mindset. Um, he saw that we have a similar time show. So he's bumping his start time back an hour in order to kind of, you know, uh, deconflict a little bit. So I want to, I want to thank him. And, and we were talking backstage and, you know, Hey guys, sometimes our shows go three hours, but if, uh, Sometimes there's a cattail in the way. Uh, I hear right. it. He thinks he's just in charge around here. Stop it. But but you know, like we were saying behind, uh, you know, before we went live, if um, if you know, if we're rambling at an hour and a half, then you know, we'll just we'll call it a day at at that. Um, so rambling at twenty one. So I hate to say it, but you know, the sad thing is, is that there's so much to talk about in the world that you know, usually we have to sh shut ourselves up at you know at a certain point. Um, you know, we could go on and on, you know, not, there's not a, there's not a one of us except for Mike who doesn't like to hear themselves talk. So, um, all right. It's cause I hate my voice. You, you know what, you know, what's funny is, is I hate my voice too. And I, I think listening to our show, I have the worst voice of the, of the lot, but that being said, I mean, you know, even if you're, you have a crappy voice, if you have something smart to say. Usually people overlook it. Um, let's see. Josh Ham is uh, in the house. Uh, howdy, sweet cheeks. All right. You getting getting spicy there with Joe? I, I you know. No, I think it's see you. right here. Gosh, Josh, you're making me blush. I mean, you even admitted that it was you right in the chat. So I mean, it's in black and white. 
Sam's here, but Adam on the other hand. Let's see. Adam is a real homie. Uh, <laughs> Adam. Uh, let's see. Oh, started watching you. Uh, went uh, went on Legal Mindset's channel at the start of the war. Keep keep up the good time. Thanks, Dylan. Man, we appreciate it. We're and we're gonna we're gonna try to keep up with uh, Ukraine Russia, um, but um, probably this week will be the last week of you know just saw you know of the of the uh, show titles uh by the day of the war um what we're gonna see going forward is you know we're gonna continue to keep uh russia ukraine as things happen there we're gonna we're gonna talk about it and if and if if things really heat up again then we'll just go right back to the um we may even go back to to dailies i mean i think we're gonna get spoiled um you know, with these uh, three day, you know, four week, four shows in a week is is I think going to be a, a good sweet spot for everybody. You know, you kind of gives you your off days. But um, like I said, if if the war demands it, then we might even ramp our shows back up. But if not, we we're going to look at other topics like we were just talking about examining the civil unrest that happened in uh, South Africa. Was it last year? Or is that what it was? Yes, last year. What what is it? Was it? Um, it was kind of spring, or I can't remember exactly when it was. It was in the spring, early summerish, which yeah, was yeah, yeah. like like April, beginning. May, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my, we're gonna my uh, my my ex was South African. She was born in South Africa, uh, came to the United States, um, went in the Air Force, and eventually was a naturalized U.S. citizen. But uh, you know, she had stories. You know, she grew up in South Africa during the apartheid days, um, so you knew this shit was brewing. You know. Oh yeah. I mean, this well, is brewing a long time, and, and and Joe's right. The way they, you know, semi-resolved it was kind of at a local level. Um, very very interesting. And if I was still in contact with her, which I'm not, uh, she she she'd be great to have on the show because. Uh, she certainly would give you a historical point of view. Uh, just, just you know, wake you up. Yeah, you know what? If we want to do that, I actually have a pretty big South African following, and I've got a couple guys in media in South Africa that I could probably uh, tap. So mm, that's interesting. You, you know, Dianica, you're right. It, I think it's it's. I love it too when people kind of uh, uh, coordinate their streams and one of the things about the law tube and the, those guys are always going so you know while there's a lot of collaboration there's also some you know some deconfliction too especially even with the trials they're covering and i know you know looking at it looking at my analytics i know a lot of you guys are also big fans of guys like nick and uh andrew and uh, and a bunch of them so uh definitely to the point we, we can the biggest just so just a kind of little real talk here with the chat one of the things that is the biggest, I don't know, uh, restriction for us is that is, is the time differences, right? So, like, my evening is their morning, but if I go any later, then, you know, I have to go to work uh, fairly early uh, in the morning. And so I, then I, I throws out my sleep patterns. Any earlier for me in the evening is too early for, like, you know, well, maybe Joe might be okay. You're, 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 you're central, right? I'm Eastern. You're Eastern. So, you know, if we went an hour earlier, it wouldn't be a big deal for you. But for like a guy like Ron, I mean, he's he's already at like, what, 
six in the morning, seven in the morning. Oh, he's yeah. mountain, so it's seven in the morning for him. Uh, so that would put, you know, so it's just, it becomes untenable. Um, you know, so really the evenings and and the mornings are when we can do, you know, like I've got to get up and, you know, as we saw, you know, if I don't set my alarm uh, right, you know, on Sunday mornings, I sleep in and that's no good. So, yeah, we, we uh, you know, Andrew uh, absolutely gave way to us. I didn't ask him to. He just did it out of the goodness of his heart. And so that lets you guys know exactly what kind of a stand up awesome dude Andrew is. So uh, if you guys want to dip out uh, to check him out. Um, I understand. All right, let's get through here. Let's see, Charles. Morning. Let's see. Cool, cool, buddy, Slim. Good morning. Wow, Mike. Look at you. Little napalm in the morning. Let's see, Saran. Good to see you. First time here. Yay. Welcome, man. I appreciate it. I know Andrew's going to, like I said, I know he's going live. So it's nice to, nice to have you guys all in here. Uh, who else do we have? Any other job well done? Look at that. 24 hour stream. I don't know if I could, I, I could do that. It would take a lot of monsters. I don't know if my, if, if the council could, though. you know, when, when you get old, like Joe, I mean, you know, it's yeah, harder to do this. It's, it's rough. It's rough. <laughs> You hit the wall at some point, don't you, with that kind of stuff, Joe? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Although I'm, Back, a, I'm on the monster one, too, though. I, I, it, you, you can do it, but you can't do it for long. Once you, you, you can only extend that clock for so long. Bad joke of the day. Should we start calling Kiev Putin grad? Hmm. It depends on how much VX he uses. Uh, oh, is that, did that fall flat this early in the morning? Sorry. Little gallows humor there. Uh, we'll call magic. Thank you. No problem. Hey man, it's great. Glad you're here. Spoon. Good morning. Alan Rogers. Good morning to you. Who else is here? Rock and roll terrorist. Uh, <coughs> all right. Looks like we got through most everybody. Andrew. Yep. War. Good. Nice to see you. Uh, before we just jump right into the map, uh, I'll remind you that uh, thanks to Andrew's help, actually, we are monetized now. So, um, you know, feel free to jump in with a super chat or whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, the great thing about a smaller channel is that I, I don't have to have a super chat to see a lot of the chat. So uh, both of uh, both uh, Mike and, and Joe are active in the chat. And uh, if anything pops up that's really interesting, I'm sure they'll let me know. Um, and just to let you know, um, I think we ha we haven't logged in yet, but I think we're working on. I'm gonna show. I'm gonna go hang out with uh, Andrew tomorrow uh, on his channel uh, at this time on his channel tomorrow. So do an update. So uh, I'll I'll let you know more about that uh, later in the show. I'm, I'm gonna. DM here, DM him, him again here in a few minutes, just to double check. All right, uh, all right. So we're looking at the map. Let's get started. We're, let's let's start with Kiev. All right. So uh, so there's been no change in the situation around in Kiev uh, since the last show. So it's about 36 hours. Um, Russian forces have begun the process to transition from offensive operations to a long-term defense uh, in the occupied territory of the West and the northeast, northwest and northeast of Kyiv. Um, so it's, a, it's clear that short-term political objectives are 
overriding long-term military success. Uh, Russian forces are will focus on entrenching their positions while moving forward with heavy artillery and rockets to increase and intensify the bombardment of Kyiv. Um, this move is meant to place political pressure on the Ukrainian government to negotiate uh, with uh, the Kremlin in ter on terms that are the Russians hope are favorable. I mean, it's literally putting a gun to the head of uh, of Zelensky by having his his long range guns dug in and able to hit the uh, the uh, Ukrainian capital at, at will. Um, this will tie down the Ukrainian forces in the in the defense of Kyiv and reducing the likelihood of a major counteroffensive in other regions. Uh, during the early hours of the of the 21st, uh, Russian forces struck at a shopping mall with a large missile. Uh, not exactly sure what that was. It, it looked like from the video, it was probably maybe at a scander, uh, which is the inter, inter, uh, short to intermediate range uh, ballistic missile uh, that has been used several times up, uh, up to this point in the war. Um, during the early morning hours, uh, it struck the, uh, a large mall uh, in the Podil district of Kyiv. Uh, Ukrainian state emergency service said that the rescue uh, was put, they put out a fire that started uh, on several floors in the shopping mall and parking lot due to the Russian indirect fire. So that was a pretty kind of, you know, impactful, um, you know, event. Well, let's look at a quick video of it. Rush, hey, Joe, did, Joe or Mike, did you guys hear, see this? Yes. Yeah. I, I don't know what that is. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure. So I saw here. I'll restart it. There's so it's area there too. Well, and so there was a report that I saw that there may be some U Ukrainian headquarters or command posts that are being, you know, set up in some of these commercial uh, locations in the kind of undisclosed locations. So that actually sounds about right why they would just kind of random because they're because everybody knows at this time of night and and this type of a target it, it wouldn't have any civilians in it so they're not trying to hit civilians with a target like this you know so what what made them key in on it and if they've got you know if that if they've got radios uh, on top of their emitting um you know they could easily kind of figure out that that's where Maybe some sort of a c command element is or something I like that. I would not put of remote antennas. <laughs> I mean, who knows, man? I mean, it, it, that's the other thing, too. If you've got clusters of remote antennas around the area where your headquarters yeah. is, sometimes you're able to then kind of use that to kind of figure out where uh, where the actual uh, you know location is. And there may be some recon elements on the ground there. Um, and so, as you can see, the the kind of the red areas uh, haven't changed. Really, in here is where you're seeing the defensive positions, and then up in here. Um, all right. So, moving on to uh, to Chernihiv. So, if you're a, a regular of the channel, you're aware of the thorn in the side that Chernihiv is. Uh, Chernihiv continues to hold up, and thus tying up considerable. Of forces not only to fix the defenders in place, Russian forces that is to fix the Ukrainian defenders in place, but to provide additional route security deep into the territory that normally would have been conquered by now. Ultimately, you, you always have to have security along a route, but in the case of the situation we have here, with uh, if you look at these long kind of avenues that the Russians are using for 
Um, because they have these bad guys in, in their rear area who are able to kind of infiltrate these areas and hit these supply lines, it makes it a lot more difficult. And you have to put a, dedicate a lot more forces to protecting your, your supply lines. Now, if the Russians had been able to kind of conquer this area and clear out the Ukrainian army, and you'd never get them all, but you'd get most of them. You could put a lot less force. You could, you know, secure these routes with a lot less forces than, than they would otherwise need to. So that's a real kind of hindrance. And that's a that's a big success for uh, the Ukrainians having them back there. Um, all right. Moving over. Let's see. Let me roll the map over. Let's see. Where? Sumi. It's so funny. I do. I, I used to know somebody named, named Sumi. Where is it? Did I lose Sumi? Sumi's up there, just to the, just to Where? the uh, west of uh, Kharkiv. Yeah, right. That's why I was looking for it. Anyway, it's right in that little pocket it, there. Yeah, right, right in here. Oh no, it's it. Right in anyway. here. You can't anyway, see where I'm circling, but it's I, right. I can't. I can't see it. anyway. So it's in this general vicinity here. I, no, it's actually where those three blue things are. That's Sumi. Oh, no, no, that's Sumi right here. I was thinking this Kharkiv. No, Kharkiv's down here. Kharkiv is just a little. All right, I was I was misoriented. It happens. All right. Anyway, Sumi area. As you can see, they're fairly well surrounded. Um, Governor of Sumi in the eastern uh, Ukrainian reports that an ammonia leak around 4:30 a.m. local time. At the Pat Sumhi Kim Prom chemical plant, as a result of a uh, Russian airstrike, uh, it affected a five-kilometer-wide area and is classified as a dangerous leak. Um, so, I mean, clearly, anybody who's been following this war knows where this is going. Um, this, you know, the there was already uh, talk of a false flag by the Russians or the Russians you know, warning the use of any use of chemical weapons such as ammonia and chlorine uh, would be, you know, so there was already some talk about this and, and I haven't seen anything official come across the, the wires, but ultimately um, anytime you have uh, these kind of chemical leaks that could be potentially uh, uh, misconstrued, uh, I think those are those are the type of things that you really have to worry about because it can really start something uh, much larger. Um, but other than that, Sumi continues to hold and continues to be a right pain in the ass of the Russians. Um, speaking of pains in the ass of the Russians, Kharkiv here. Um, we are we identified Kharkiv as one of the early uh, uh, you know points that the Russians wanted to take. Uh, it's the second largest city, uh, and it's also has a lot of uh, uh, manufacturing capabilities. I think this is something that the Russians wanted to take intact, but uh, clearly, after about the first week or week and a half or so, they switched gears uh, and have steadily been using a uh, a uh, essentially a war of attrition against those guys. Um, let me. Share this tab instead. Um, so despite the fact that they're all the way over here tucked in against the uh, Russian border, as you can see, they're able to get in. They're able to get in uh, food supplies, uh, things like that. Um, so this is clearly a success story for uh, the Ukrainians. Um, the fact that they're able to 
you know, continue to supply uh, under despite the pressure this city's been under. Now, you know, on one side of the city, you're getting supplies, but on the other side of the city, you, you get, you know, pitched tank battles. So uh, this is what we see on the other side of the city. So this is a Russian T-64. I'm sorry, this is a Ukrainian T-64 tank. Um, this is one of the, you know, one of the kind of iconic tanks for the Ukrainian side. The Russians don't really use these that much. Uh, it is a, originally a Russian tank, but uh, the Russians have replaced it uh, in its function with a T-80. Uh, but the Ukrainians, because this factory that made these tanks is in the was in the Ukraine originally, they had a lot left over. And so they have modernized this tank. So I just think it's kind of an interesting uh, to be able to... Uh, to show you guys that. Uh, let's see. Now let me go back to, all right, stop sharing that. I guess the, the other thing that is kind of interesting or certainly relevant, you know, one, they, they got to use, they, the Ukrainians get to use what they have, right? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And, and, and <clears throat> I don't think they have the same kind of money stream in relative terms that Russia has, you know, not that Russia's super duper duper rich, uh, but they certainly have uh, more money coming in than Ukraine. So, yeah, so y Ukraine is using old, old equipment, but they're using it pretty effectively when you get down to it. Well, you, you know, the interesting thing was, is that the T-64 for its time was the best tank the Russians had. And so, you know, it's the T-72 came a little later. Uh, about 10 years later, uh, but in 1972, um, but, you know, <laughs> I know, right. Uh, but uh, the thing about it is, is that even um, in the in the 70s, the T-64 was the tank that he equipped all the kind of elite armored divisions in the Soviet Union and all the kind of main, you know, mainline divisions uh, all had T-72. So. Um, that was a just an interesting kind of thing. So it still had a, it still was at least probably uh, equal to in quality of the T seventy two, and in some ways uh, was better, and in some ways is worse. I mean, the, clearly the up up to date T seventy twos aren't as good, um, but uh, you know, you use what you got, right? I mean, you know, like and, you said, the, the Ukrainians may be using their terrain a little bit better to their favor you know, urban terrain or what have you, uh, if there's any range difference, I can remember the, the Gulf War, um, the Persian Gulf War, you know, in the 90s or, uh, you know, when, when, a, when a Abrams tank went up against a T-72, then just because of the desert distances, the, the, the Abrams could just back off and, yeah. Know, yeah, it used that range to their advantage hugely. I mean, it, it, killed, you know, but yeah, there might be the kind of the inverse going on here with it. If, if I if if I re, if I remember the old rifled 105 millimeter cannon on the original M1s, which is the kind of tanks we had when I was a tanker back in the 90s, um, that was a that had a like maximum range of like 3,000 to 3,500 meters. Which is like on a that's a thousand meters further than what uh, you could hit things with a T seventy two, and on top of that, back in the nineties, we had thermal viewers that you know, like even these a lot of these fairly modernized T sixty fours that the Ukrainians have, um, 
a lot of them don't even have thermal viewers on them. So, I mean, they have the uh, infrared, uh, you know, night vision. Uh, you know, so basically it's a like it's like what the kind of same technology we use in a night vision, uh, like like a like a like a you know, night vision device you wear on your helmet or something like that. So, I mean, anyway, this is this video we're looking at here, though, now is uh, so we've talked about the the bombardment that Kiev's been undergoing. And I think this is just a great illustration of. So this is a cluster munition up close and personal. Um, so the idea is, is think about if you had a grouping of vehicles or you had a, a group of people um, like an infantry platoon or something like that out in the open in this area. And you're just kind of hanging around and you got hit by one of these things. Literally every dude in this area would have some kind of shrapnel damage. Um, and if you don't believe it, look at the water, look, kind of look in the, in the foreground. Yeah, the water here in the foreground when that... Uh, cluster goes off you can see how many pieces of shrapnel are just getting thrown around so i mean if you're not getting hit by a piece of shrapnel from the actual explosives you're going to get hit by a piece of shrapnel from the ground being kicked up or something like that it just kind of shows you especially against civilian unprotected civilian targets how deadly uh a, a, you know a, a thing like that is so uh anyway so back to the map moving on um, so, uh, so the next thing we're going to talk about real quick, I'll talk you down the line of control, but, uh, I don't want to spend too much time. I mean, we're seeing basically the, you know, this has been an area of kind of growth for the Russians here lately, just completely subsuming this area. Um, they've been held up here North of the line of control in Luhansk, uh, but they've really done a, done a, a good job of coming in, uh, kind of. Coming in towards Kharkiv, I get the feeling that once they're able to shore up this area, they'll be able to add this uh, and potentially attack Kharkiv from the rear and, and cut off some of those lines of communications that, you know, that allowed them to bring like those supplies in that we saw in that video. Um, here's your line of control continuing to hold. These are, um, you know, basically frontline uh, active duty uh, Ukrainian military units continue to hold along here. But um they, They're going to have to disengage at some point. Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. They've got to be looking at, like, when do we start to pull these guys back? I mean, I think the smart idea would be instead of to kind of pull directly back into these kind of areas here would be to kind of have a centralized route, you know, something along the lines of this, you know, maybe come back and 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 set up. You could set up a defensive line along here for Dinapro up, up to Kharkiv or hell, you could even bring them all back and and. And set up maybe You're between. Probably want to cross that river before Russia drops all the bridges behind them, so. or or at least get up close to it so that you're able to. Uh, now they may have a, a like a defense in depth uh, kind of strategy, and a defensive depth strategy is, is instead of having like a solid defensive line along, say, a terrain feature or like a road or something like that, it would be kind of an area like say like this area here that's bounded right there, and you've got many different defensive positions in here. And as they kind of trickle in to this area, you're able to to go at the uh, the enemy. And based on what we've seen and them staying on the roads, I think you'll see uh, heavy use of the terrain and these roads uh, to canalize the enemy. And you know, using minefields and things like that really uh, trip them as you go. And and they may decide to start kind of walking their defense back. Um, and and not do kind of like a, a, a big pullback. So so we'll see. I, I 
I'm kind of surprised they haven't started to disengage and maybe they have, and we're just not seeing it in any of the reports. Uh, that'd just be good opsex on their part. But anyway, moving down to Mariupol. So as you can see, Mariupol is well and truly fucked. Um, I probably shouldn't use language like that. That's what they tell me. Now that I'm monetized, I guess I'm not supposed to use the F word. But uh, anyway, uh, so Mariupol, the recent uh, Russian MOD call for surrender of Mariupol by uh, 21 March. Uh, that was, you know, this morning. Uh, Ukraine time uh, seems hollow and desperate. Uh, the Russia, Russia has yet to produce a military situation in which a surrender is preferable to continue resistance and is unlikely to do so. Uh, Zelensky condemns the uh, Russian siege of Mariupol as a war crime. About 300,000 people remain in Mariupol, uh, which is without electricity. Uh, heavy battles have been fought in uh, Azovstal, which is um, the steel plant uh, right there on the kind of eastern side of the city. Actually, let me zoom in on the city and show you guys what, what I'm talking about here. That's this area right in here. You can see the rail lines that come in here. This is one of the largest steel uh, production uh, facilities in, I, I think, all of Europe. Um, let's see. Blah, blah, blah. There are reports uh, there, there are already Russian units in the area where the plant is located. Uh, Ukrainian Prime Minister... Uh, Vlasilenko announced last night that thick smoke was rising from the industrial complex. One of the largest metallurgical plants in Europe has been destroyed, he said. Uh, the economic loss for Ukraine is huge. The environment is devastated. Yeah, so, I mean, blowing up a big plant like that probably is not great for the environment. But then again, in this war, what is? Uh, let's see. We've got a couple. So this is an interesting little thing. One of, one of Joe's favorites. Uh, of the wharfs thus far has been the uh, Tiger oh, yeah. uh, vehicle. Have you seen this picture, Joe? No, I haven't. So what stands out to you about this picture? Well, let's see. It's 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 largely intact. Oh, yeah. Um, well, it's got two different symbols painted on it. Right. So where was the O symbol? Uh, that's on the south. No, the O symbol was the forces sent against Chernev all the way in the north. Yeah. And then the Z symbol is the one that you know came out of e either the south uh, or from the Donbass area. So yeah. what, what we're seeing here is a, a vehicle that's part of the reserve force that was supposed to go in to Chernev has been reallocated towards a completely different part of the, of the uh, operation and uh and allocated against uh Mariupol. basically that shows you that they're desperate to uh make this Mariupol push you know happen uh so that, i think that was just kind of a really interesting little piece there and um clearly the armored glass held up on that yeah. one i, I want to talk too about though your point where you said they they haven't presented a case where it's preferable to surrender i'm sorry but the humanitarian thing to do in Mariupol is surrender rather than risk everyone's lives there is no chance you're completely surrounded for miles. I don't understand this. Um, everyone wants to talk about Russia and, and, and all the horrible things they're doing, yet they continue to give opportunities to reduce civilian casualties, and the other side doesn't take them. So, um, yeah, and this is and this is what we're this is what we're looking at. This is the kind of yeah. carnage that we're looking at because they continue to fight. I mean, yeah. I, so I mean, I I'm going to read a little into this. 
I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that um, I don't think the Azov guys think that they're going to get a fair shake. And and the Azov guys make up a large part of the defenders. Well, they're not all the defenders. Um, and so this could be this this may not be Azov's you know, decision. Um, yeah. That being said, that doesn't mean that they're that that probably isn't uh, playing into it. Let's see. Easter. So this is just the assessment of just of the damage of just one suburb of Mariupol today, just a few blocks. Uh, so, yeah. So look at that. And these are all the, the hits in that area. Just so this is the area just to the east of the of the steel plant. Moderate damage, destroyed, severe damage. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. All right. So anyway, that's the that's you know they continue to hold out there and uh, and we'll I'm sure we'll hear more about that area before it's all said and done. Um, all right, moving on to the southern front. Uh, so along the line from uh, Mikhailov, Russian troops have been halted along the march at the village of Posad uh, Pokrovsky. I'm getting better at these names. I'm not good at it, but I'm I'm getting better. So where are we talking here? We're talking. So Mikhailov is here. Uh, and this village is, let's see if they should, if it actually shows up as a name. Doesn't look like it. Maybe if I go in a little, yeah, it's not that big of a deal, but I would imagine it's in and around this area here. Yeah, I don't see it. Um, and the only reason I'm being specific is I was watching a video report that was actually dated on uh, early on the 21st. Uh, and it documented them pulling the last of the, of the uh, civilians out of that village. Uh, and, you know, there were s several uh, several Ukrainians uh, manning positions and a lot of blown up uh, Russian vehicles. And, you know, it's definitely an active battlefield there. Um, looking over to Kherson. Um, In the Russian-occupied Kherson, Ukrainian citizens continue to put pro their protest against the Russian occupiers. Um, uh, in fact, they recently uh, recently forced Russian police to turn around. Did you guys see this this video? This is actually pretty cool. Let me share this video here. So what you have here, and I've got a couple different. So this is a, a Russian protest here. And they're literally backing this truck up. And it makes me wonder, you know, th this goes counter to the war crimes kind of thing. I mean, you know, I just I get the feeling that if they didn't care at all, they would just take five or six shots into the crowd and and they'd can state this problem away. But maybe they're trying to actually, you know, be a little soft handed. I mean, maybe these maybe these troops are while they're bad guys, then maybe they're not monsters. I mean, what what what's your take on something like that, Joe? Uh, my take is that Alan Rogers needs to stop personal attacks in the chat. All right, Alan, what's going on here? I haven't even been watching the chat because I've been driving the show here. Oh, and Ron's here. Good morning, Ron. Now, my 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 take is is that uh, again the Russians are are doing everything they can to 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 not follow their own doctrine original russian doctrine would be to just mow down that crowd and, and yet they're not um 
Uh, I don't. I don't know what the deal is. I think there's there's got to be some. They 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 must be getting some feedback. I mean, it seems to me a lot of this war, you know, forty percent, fifty percent is it's a media war. You know, who's going to come on top media wise? So so there might be kind of a feedback loop where uh, uh, you know the Russians specifically are constraining themselves from their more base instinct. Um, because of public perception, because, you know, and because this, this, uh, war is bogged down. Yeah. That's my first impression. Um, there we go. Now we can see Ron. I've had that uh, comment up for Jesus. It was an improvement. <laughs> How you did, so so? What uh, you had some had some chores? Did you you have to cut the uh, firewood to keep the stove going? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. No, we uh, we had a quick snowstorm overnight, and uh, so I had to <laughs> do some snow snow removable ops. Well, that yeah. How what? How deep does the snow get in the winter there? Well, um, this winter's been exceptionally dry, so the deepest dump we've gotten in any one time is eight inches with wind drifts, okay. making it up to 12, 14. Uh, in years past, when we've had blizzards, <laughs> it's been a nice three-foot dump. It's Jeez. really it's really I pleasant. Even, I don't even know what I would do with that. Well, I do. I, 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 <laughs> that's why I have two snowblowers. I have a primary and a secondary, so, you know. <laughs> if you... If you don't, have, one is none, two is one, one is none, right? Something like that, yeah. All right. So, yeah, I, 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 I you know, I'm, I'm looking at this video and I'm going, all right. So I'm, I'm watching the Ukrainian version of the uh, Ottawa truckers protest, and, you know, bully for the Ukrainian citizens bravely standing up again, but, I mean, that was a truck. It wasn't a tank or a BMP right. or, or anything like that. So. I, I'm wondering, like, eventually the Russian commanders are going to go, look, we need to do something. Let's uh, take down the cell towers or, or jam them or, or whatever so these kind of videos can't get out. And by the time they, they're recorded and then gotten out, you know, the Russians will like, yeah, so? And they'll point to Ukrainian atrocities or something like that. It, I mean, it as, as uh, Mike points out, this is it's a media war for hearts and minds of of the of the global audience yeah. so and the that's ukrainians what, what have masterfulled but Angron just said too you think they're being soft-handed to avoid a nato justification for getting involved yeah absolutely just like ron said well and, and you know i i think that you have it, it's hard it, you know, it's a, it, as much as we'd like to paint you know the russian army as as a bunch of you know you know, cannibalistic monsters that are only there to rape the country of Ukraine. I mean, there are regular people that are in, that are in that army, and 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 many of them haven't worn in combat on, on in the beginning, and they've brought been brought in as reserves, maybe to hold down uh, and and garrison a city like Kherson or something like that. Though I I hear it's pronounced Kherson, um, but. You know, they show up and they're, you know, they have no hatreds towards these people. You know, they may have some contempt or something, but at the same time, 
you know, they're like, holy cow, you know, <laughs> you got you got your 31 year old, you know, Russian uh, captain, you know, who has no who maybe his grandma's from Kiev or something like that. He's been on vacation uh, in Ukraine in the past. You know, maybe he dated a girl from Ukraine. And you've got uh, a bunch of soldiers that are all, you know, fresh faced, 18 to 21 year old, uh, you know, recently contracted or, uh, you know, none of these kids are there to, to, to get their kill on. And so when they're faced with this anger that they don't necessarily understand, then they back down, I think, a lot of times. And eventually somebody else with a little more steel uh, and a little less compassion is going to come along and is going to turn these. Because I hate to say it, you know, it, I don't know if you've guys read the book Ordinary, uh, or, is it Ordinary Men or Ordinary People? I think it's Ordinary Men. It's about the uh, the reserve police unit that went into a city in Poland and ended up committing mass, you know, uh, you know, mass murder because their their bosses told them it was okay, and then you know, and and none of them wanted to be the one to stand up and and stand up against it. And maybe if one guy was stood up against it, he was disappeared and and his voice wasn't there to brace the others. And so in in the end, you know, regular people were the ones that that did terrible things. And I think eventually that's what we're going to see here. Um, but you know, fortunately it hasn't come to that yet. And I hope uh, I hope it never does. Um all right. So moving on down the coast. So to uh Joe's favorite uh, part of uh, I, Joe, is it your favorite? Is Odessa your favorite part because you just want to see an amphibious invasion, or is it because no, as it, it bears out my theory? And we had a, a super chat about it a while ago. Um, that the question, did I miss was, a super chat? yeah, you did. Uh, the question was, um, do we Girl, see on, pull it Moldova? And see. I think that the reason why I watch Odessa so closely is that if Odessa falls, then that would seem to indicate that they're rolling towards uh, Moldova, right? Do you guys think it's possible that Putin will annex all of Moldova instead of just Transnistria from SB for 499? Hey, if, if a hey, council guys, I, I am not looking at the chat when I've got the other windows open. So if you guys see a super chat that's over, that's 499 or up, uh, let me know so I can, uh, so I can, I can get it uh, immediately. Um, yeah, I think you're right, Joe. I think uh, going towards Odessa is a clear sign that Transnistria uh, is next. I don't think that they have the the combat power to continue on to Moldova, but uh, if they could connect uh, the mainland to Transnistria, it's really easy well, to just kind of was, annex Transnistria. There, there was six years between uh, between Georgia and the beginning of the troubles in Donbass, right? And then another six or seven years after that, they don't necessarily have to go to Moldova tomorrow. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's, it's a, it's a stepping stone, right? Yeah. yeah you know, I was, I've been <clears throat> listening very intently to Joe's. I mean, this is a couple of weeks ago, formulating this, this, this idea. Um, when this whole thing start started, I thought uh, Joe's theory was much more likely <clears throat> um and 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 people's fear that uh you know the uh, uh Putin was going to invade Poland he was going to go into this you know before everything kind of time stood still um now I look at it I'm not, I'm not I'm not being judgmental Joe I'm just saying I look at it now I'm like well you know it's it's a little less probable 
because it stalled so much in it. But I do agree with you, Joe. I mean, this is, you know, could be phase one. And we, we could see the reemergence of another um, after they reconsolidate, you know, four or five years from now, uh, the rest of the story, the rest of the push to the to the West. Um, so I agree with you, Joe, with, with what you just said. Um, you know, yeah, you know, if they can consolidate on Odessa and this thing kind of winds down for today. That does not stop them in any way from pushing further, you know, two, three years from now. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey real quick. Uh, I just want to, I want to hit a point of, uh, of how I, just to kind of illustrate how I want to run the channel here. Um, hey, Alan. So you, my understanding is that you didn't like, or you were making fun of something, you know, you poked fun at something that Joe said. All right. Well, then that's fine. You can criticize any of us and you can criticize any of the opinions. I'm not going to ban anybody uh, in this chat for uh, lively disagreement or even even trolling. I mean, because I actually am a big uh, believer in freedom of speech. And I think letting sunshine on um, on stupid or inane comments is is the best cure for it. That being said, if 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 you want to leave because, you know, Joe defends himself against you. That's fine. I'm also not going to tell Joe not to uh, let him let you know him. I'm not going to tell him to not let you know how he feels. Um, so that being said, uh, I don't know how productive it is for uh, the chat to fight with the council. Uh, but let me tell you, the council are, uh, are are guys with strong opinions and strong wills. And I doubt uh, the chat is going to be able to to beat an argument with one of these uh, guys on here because, you know, chat doesn't bother us because the chat's not real world. Um, you know, I respect all you guys, you, you guys hit the subscribe button and you show up to listen to what we had to say. And we hope you, uh, respect the uh, opinions that we have, but at the same time, you know, if you don't like it, that's cool, man. Uh, you know, if you don't want to be here, then that's great. If you want to be here and to, can you, I mean, we're not going to kick you out. You know, we but, understand. But that, hold on. That, let, me, let me interject. The, the problem wasn't the joke. He can say whatever he wants, but the minute he tied it to Christianity and my personal beliefs, that was the problem. No, I understand. And mm. I, I, I think you're, I think everything that you said is justified, Joe. So I'm not, you know, I, I just want to let these people know that, you know, we appreciate them being here. Uh, and I think you were very clear in your statements exactly uh, what you didn't like about it. So anyway, I'm not going to make a big deal about it beyond that. Uh, you know, Alan Rogers, you know, that's literally it. You made a joke. I mean, if, if, if that's all you meant, it came across differently. You guys all know how the internet is, is a lot of times we make smart ass comments um, that we mean one way, but it gets taken another. Joe took it a very different way. And because of that, I mean, you know, maybe next time think of how you, uh, you know, phrase your joke. I mean, that's all I would say. That being said, I'm not going to ban you. Uh, I've seen you in the chat before. You've, 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 been, you've been a productive member of the past. And so, um, hey, I just want to let you know, I've never really kind of addressed uh, the chat, uh, you know, in this kind of way. Um, and this goes to the mods, too. You know, if somebody spams the chat, then you can time those people out. But uh, unless you see somebody using gamer words like spelling out the the hard R uh, N words or something like right. that, you know, one, one letter at a time. That's the kind of stuff that, uh, that I can't have, not because, 
you know, I don't actually find the humor in it. Uh, it's because you know, I don't want to get my channel struck. So, all right, moving on. Um, actually, so anyway, I wanted to. And if anybody's going to be a smart ass on this channel, it's going to be me. Damn it. Well, and Mond excels at the position. That's right. As 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 Joe's alternate battle buddy, that's my role. All right. Anyway, moving on. Did I hear trolling? Yes. Now, De Declare is I, I. He's been our. He's been a world class troll for us, uh, and and, I, and I, we appreciate <laughs> you, brother. All right. Real, the last one I wanted to talk about before we kind of go into other uh, topics is um, so Odessa, right? You know, there you're, somebody needs to tell Odessa they are in a war. This is a uh, Odessa yesterday. <laughs> you know, be because the jazz bar is closed, because that's the city ordinance, they're playing outside and everybody <laughs> gathered. And, you know, so it's a good morale boost. Uh, Odessa is. Uh, wait, wait, is look, at, look at how many people are looking at their phones, <laughs> right? And the Chicago oh. Bulls hat. I like that. Uh, right. Uh, yeah. The Chicago Bulls. <laughs> but it's the same, it's the same thing that Keeve was showing yeah. literally hours before the Russian invasion. They were like, yeah, whatever. And. They're, the Ukrainians, I'm not sure. It almost lends it to believe: is this real or is it or is it Memorex? Yeah, yeah. I don't know how because it's going to get all real all of a sudden if 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 Russia decides to double down on that, uh, you know, well, that thing that uh, Joe's been talking about. So I, I think too that we forget the sheer size of of Ukraine. We look at a map and and to, to most most Americans, it's not really in perspective, right? We're talking about a country the size of Texas. So it's very conceivable. There's a high intensity war down the road and you can't hear it uh, or you can't see it. So um, just like here um, in Metro Detroit, when it was riding downtown, uh, all of the suburbs went about life as normal. Right. I mean, uh, everyone was still out shopping. Nobody was freaking out. I mean, it's the same thing there. It's cognitive dissonance. Right. We, we have that normalcy bias. Well, right. they say there's a war, but nothing's blowing up here, so I'm going to run to McDonald's or Vanya's, whichever it's called now. But whatever. it's kind of, it, I hate to say it, but it's almost the same way in like a bar fight. You don't realize you're in a bar fight until the guy that's 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 getting in your face actually punches you in the nose. Yeah. Really? Wow you you must go, you must go to different bars than I do. Well, if bar fights are different in Korea. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I I remember. I I flew through the air with the greatest of ease and broke two tables. Cost, cost well, me a I lot mean, of wand, you know. But that was a long on, time ago. It, it depends on what the guy's first move is. I mean, clearly, you allowed somebody just to, to you know, suplex you into some tables. I mean, you know, mostly for well, me, it's it was, been it's the punch that lets me know that I'm in a fight, and then I get was, thrown through the the window uh, by his was, bigger buddy later. Well, it was it was it was fine because I I noticed the MPs were coming through the door at the time <laughs> in in Itaewon there, so I'm going no, I'll I'll be the I'll be the passive victim here. I'll and I just and the tables broke because of the the owner you know it wasn't his first bar fight, so the tables literally, you know Hollywood tables they they broke, and so it was like ow. And uh, I got up and had another uh, OB. Yeah, as right. an MP, I'll tell you how that works. The winner gets arrested. The loser has already paid. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly exactly. Right. exactly. Yeah. I, uh, are you okay, Sarge? Do you you need to go to the to the hospital? No, I'm I'm good. Can I buy you a beer? No, we got to take this guy in. All right, great. 
So, so uh, you know, on one side of the city, we got the jazz uh, festival going on. And then the other side, <laughs> uh, we've got artillery landing in the ocean. Um, you know, there were reports of a Russian patrol boat uh, being destroyed. But uh, ultimately, it looks like maybe they saw a patrol boat and shot artillery at it. But I'm not quite sure how effective that probably yeah, this, I looked at this a couple of times when you when you first told me about it, and it really literally just looks like them going, "Hey, dudes, let's make a video of us repelling a an invasion, and we'll just launch a bunch of rockets out in the water." And, and, uh, and journalists <laughs> journalists reported it. Uh, you know, Ukrainians repulse in, uh, amphibious assault on Odessa. It's like, and but it's all part of that narrative of Ukraine good, Russia bad, as far as military superiority, you know, military genius, whatever. And, Right, right. It's, it's remarkable. Joe, yeah. tell me it's not so. Oh, you know, that, that, that there wasn't a fight. Uh, that really disappoints me. I did badge somehow. Well, so, you know, uh, indirect fire doesn't count toward the CIB. I don't know if you know that or not. But the, well, not here. So, so here, here's the other You've never the been to thing. Fob Shank, obviously. Well, <laughs> here, here's the funny thing is they determined that, uh, that rockets, because they were fly, fired at a low trajectory, were considered direct fire uh, weapons, which I, I thought that was kind of cheesy. Hmm. All right. You sunk my patrol boat. That's exactly right. Uh, <laughs> is this footage? Yeah, yeah, this is right. This is footage of the Russians going after the shark of Kiev. <laughs> Joe's not paying attention, of course. It's his favorite mythical oh, no, creature. No, no, no. The shark of Kiev, he was, he's not falling to indirect fire. You're going to have to go out and, and, and just root him out of the water. You have to go fishing for him, actually. Hey, Alan, you're not wrong. IDF does feel very direct. It feels very personal when it comes within yeah. uh, about 50 meters of you. Uh, what also feels very personal is when you feel the whiz of shrapnel go past your head. Um, and when you learn the difference between the snap and the pop of rounds going by your head. So. I'll, I'll be perfectly honest with you. The the hairiest situation I ever, I mean, I I ever felt personally is I was in the middle of the uh, FOB AHA. I was the HHCXO, and I was in an uh, a, yeah ammo holding area. AHA. Thank you. I thought you were talking about some Norwegian rock band. That's right. <laughs> so I was literally so the so the AHA was a uh, was an old Iraqi parking thing, and you guys you you know how the Iraqi parking areas were. There were those covered you know awnings all on three sides right where they would park all the vehicles and stuff yeah sun shields yeah so that's where all the ammo was underneath those areas and then the back side were these it basically we had two big kind of things of crates one was uh 155 rounds because we had the counter battery uh on the airfield where i was at and then we had a bunch of bradley uh explosive reactive armor um, your crates and because uh, they didn't use the the ERA, you know, because, you know, it just it, anyway, for whatever reason, they didn't use them. And uh, and so I'm in the I'm there for reasons I can't remember. But as the XO, it was literally like part of my rounds that I always did because the support platoon was there. And um, I'm in the middle of the thing. And all of a sudden I hear I think it was mortar rounds, maybe about. 500 meters away impacting. And, uh, and so a bunch of the, the soldiers start to go into the thing and I'm getting ready to get into my little, you know, the John Deere, what do you call them? The little, you know, like the go-kart deals. Yeah. I, Gator. 
Gator. Yeah. Right. So I was getting ready to jump in my Gator and go over to talk and let them know, hey, this is where the rounds, I saw where the rounds impacted. And then just about when I was getting ready to do this, all of a sudden I heard this horrendous noise and I felt like it was like I could have reached up and, and touched this thing, right? But it was probably 10 meters above my head or something like that. It was a like a Katusha rocket or a grad rocket or, you know, whatever the that they were always shooting at us. And it went over my head and then through the back wall of the uh, little sun shield deals uh, and then impacted into the field on the other side of it. You know, it's fairly flat trajectory, like I said. And so it blew, but, you know, because of the, the direction, it blew away from the ammo. Well, it flew about probably, it literally flew about a meter above the 155 Ooh. rounds that were all clustered at the back. Because if it had hit those things, they never would have found my ass. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have been a warm spot on the ground. Oh, oh. my God. So some rockets, you know, I always had a... Uh, uh, you know, a, a little, a little scaredy cat place in my heart. Uh, whenever I heard rockets pass overhead, I always That's used to say, "Underwear change moment right there." Well, mortar, mortar rounds wouldn't bother me. I mean, I would sleep through mortar rounds all night long, but uh, it was the rockets that would always wake me up, especially if I over, if I heard them go overhead before they hit. Yeah. Anyway, all right, moving on. That's a war story. Um. Okay. Let's see. I just want to look at the chat here and see if anybody's making fun of me peeing my pants there for a second. Hey, uh, um, Scott, you know, I, I, I've been close enough to, to real um, indirect fire also. It, it is terrifying. Um, but, the, but, but you know, back some time ago, the Army used to try to make an impression on infantry officers in IOBC in training. Um okay. The bunker where yeah, you guys went. Oh exactly. my god, I've, I've heard I've heard about that story. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and my, just, I think really, I, I, back in the seventies, my dad and they they went through through that. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't quite that long ago, but yeah, that, <laughs> the, the the point they were hey, trying to make was when we I, try I, to impress upon you, you know, eight inches of overhead cover when you make yeah. a box hole, you know, all that kind of stuff. This is what we're talking about. So they put you down this bunker, and I think they only drop eight inch mortars on top of you i think one 105 pretty close but you know you're sitting there in this concrete bunker that's steel reinforced and blah yeah. blah blah and my god you're like holy shit they're not kidding so um yeah, it's, yeah. indirect fires has got to be one of the most terrifying things yeah, they don't they don't do that anymore. But I think that's the kind of training that we should look at, you know, especially considering the fact that we're not doing Gottwad anymore. We're doing high intensity. Um, you know, high intensity is a completely different thing. And, I, I you know, there's a lot of badasses from uh, Afghanistan and Iraq that would, you know, you know, they, they weren't a lot of ticks. Uh, but they uh, they 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 don't know what they're getting into when they got to face down a BMP or something like that, you know. And they don't have their RPG at, easily at hand. Um, and some of these, uh, have you, I mean, you guys saw that uh, interior where the the BTR was shooting that uh, thirty millimeter at those uh, dismounts clustered behind that BMP. Uh, I mean, I don't care how badass you are, if you're in the wrong space when that when that thing opens up on you, you're having a bad day. There was some pretty intense uh, 30 millimeter gun cam videos the other day from, I don't remember where that was. Was that Mariupol? 
Yeah, Mariupol. Actually, I found another one. I, I if I can if I can find it, uh, I'll show it later. Uh, just as part of our gratuitous war porn, uh, you know. Sometimes I feel like we don't. <laughs> you can never have too much of that. Um, oh yeah, you can. I yes. know you can too. Yes, yes. That that's the joke. Oh, oh, don't quit your day job. You, you mean you mean you didn't get my joke? <laughs> Joe, don't no. get mad at me. <laughs> all right, all right. Where oh, man, I am, man. <laughs> of, of course, you've got your Arkansas toothpick out. I got a bayonet right at hand, always. I th- yeah, I, I mean, I thought all Marines have K bars, like you know. Well, this is the new uh, bayonet, and uh, oh, is that I the new a... one? Yeah. Hold yeah, it up I'm so just... I can see it. It's not the M8, right? Or is that the... Uh, this is the OK, uh, OKC3S. It's got the uh, Eagle Globe and Anchor down here. And on the okay, other side, it's a Marine USMC. Um, it's a Marine-specific bayonet. Uh, rubberized handle. It's it's basically, it gives gives a little homage to the original K-Bar. But yeah. uh, it's still pretty nice. Double-edged. Uh, nice saw blade. Mine's a little yeah. dirty. Cause I it, actually... looks a little, it looks a little longer than the older bayonet. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's pretty long. Well, I mean, if you got because M4, size does matter. If you got to stick a guy to the wall while you change mags, you got to stick a guy to the wall. So <laughs> I always fancied myself as more of a Dean Martin kind of guy, but well, I don't see a drink in your hand all the time. I know, right? That's yeah, but that was that was in my thirties when uh, you know. Mm. We all, and the reason why none of us in our group would would ever try to say we are Frank Sinatra, we all knew that nobody could ever be that cool. So we were all. Besides, he's really he's really short. I've been watching a lot of old TV with uh, Dean Martin, like a lot of the specials from the seventies and the in the sixties. Uh, I'm a sucker for oh ho ho ho! I'm a sucker oh. for a fifty dollars super chat. Oh, that's Canadian. Though, was, so it's like twenty five bucks. <laughs> Hey, it's it's all about the it's all. Hey, I'll I'll have you know it's all about the color of the super chat. I learned that from uh, Nikki Rackets. Um, all right, so Kit Kat for Canadian fifty dollars. Since some of your council members were dissing my currency the other day, so I had to up the ante. Thanks for the update, <laughs> Kit Kat. No, you are you're you are okay in my book. Uh, I appreciate your uh, contribution, and I appreciate you uh, being here. You know. Even if uh, even if the chat gets spicy from time to time, you know we appreciate you guys um, because what you guys do and uh, being here as our audience allows us the opportunity to to make this thing happen. Uh, I'll let you know that uh, people are starting. You know, some of the people that we would have never have, have considered asking to be guests um, are now within our grasp because they see that this channel has a has a solid audience uh, and uh, and and some really uh, strong support. So you guys are that support and we appreciate that. Um, and well, and I and I hope to entice you guys in, in some of your friends to come and see some of the cool guests that we've got uh, lined up. So. Well, just for Kit Kat, I'll start speaking Canadian. A. A. <laughs> What's that all about? <laughs> Dory, Dory, Canadian. <laughs> All right, uh, you know, I thought Canadians now like hit people over the head with truncheons. I thought that was like or, or ran over old ladies with horses. I mean, that's what I heard. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I I was I was wrong. I forgot. Kit Kat's Canadian. It's the Americans that do that. Yeah. Uh, all right. Oh, 
This is a this is that's a sick burn. Kit Kat, get out your burn cream. Yeah. Come on, it's probably at least thirty six bucks, so that's a good thing. All right, here we go. Hey, so uh, before we go into our first topic, which will probably get my channels, uh, or at least this episode, demonetized, um, I wanted to see. Oh, Alan Rogers is a new member. From Joe, from now on, I will uh, expect you to be very polite, Alan, and I will now side with him at fifty percent of the time against you uh, in further conflicts. That's all right, Joe. I got your back. I'm not worried. I I didn't think you were. I just I just want I just wanted to. I know we've been bantering a little bit, but I wanted to open before we jump into the. I've got two topics ready for us to talk about, and I'll just let you guys know what they are. I'll let the let the audience know. So the first topic is the bad behavior of the Ukrainians. So we've been talking about the bad behavior of the Russians, like literally every day. I mean, it's not labeled the bad behavior of the Russians because the Russians' behavior in Ukraine is bad. Um, I mean, I, you know, cluster munitions in civilian areas, that's a bad thing. You know, mass rockets, thermal barrack weapons, all this stuff, bad. That being said, uh, everything about the Ukrainians has been the heroic defense of their uh, of their country, yada, yada, yada. They're, they're not doing anything wrong. Well, that's not the truth. And uh, one of the things that you've kind of probably missed out in the mainstream media narrative about... <coughs> Uh, Ukraine has been some of the bad stuff. So we're going to talk about that. Um, the other topic that uh, I've got lined up for us today is so NATO problems, right? I mean, you know, we 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 were talking over the weekend about NATO um, and I I feel like it's getting worse with those guys. So um, mate has, you know, the, the, the question uh, will be, has NATO outlived its usefulness? So um, before we jump into those topics, guys, is there anything else that's kind of popped up in the last 36 hours you want to, you want to mention, or you want to talk about? Oh, I I'm think not, that'll keep us plenty busy. I, I, I think so too. Um, but the, that being said, I just want to, yeah, ordinary men, right. Josh Ham, I just saw your uh, DM. Yes. Thank you very much. Uh, that that is a that is a book I will totally recommend to anybody in here. Just uh, go to Amazon uh, and look up Ordinary Men. It's a story of the Reserve Police Battalion 101 and their final solution in Poland. I mean, basically, these guys are just regular police policemen in in Germany prior to the war, um, and they get called up to be police, you know, military policemen in uh, Poland and one thing leads to another and they turn into some of the worst war criminals of the war. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's an interesting psychological study of the banality of evil. Um, all right. So let's talk about speaking of banality of evil. Let's talk about the bad behavior of, uh, of the Ukrainians. All right. First, first on the first on the docket, you know, for for those familiar with LawTube. Uh, is the banning of opposition parties? I mean, you guys have you guys been paying attention to all this? I mean, I mean, I'll be honest with you, man. I mean, well, somebody somebody said to me, "Well, it's just the ones that are backed by Russia." And so my reply was, "It's amazing that it was every opposition party." Then, weird. I don't think it's everyone, right? It's, it is it's every single one. 
Wow, I didn't realize it was it was that there is because it's quite a list. It's not like us. It's not like a small list. So let me let me share my screen here. Uh, and then also the consolidation of all the uh, television stations into uh, one one broadcaster. All right. So this is a pretty good. Uh, so 11 Ukrainian political parties suspected collaborating with Russian invaders have been suspended until martial law ends. So theoretically, not forever. But I mean, you know, you know how these things go. You give uh, public servants power and you're very it's very hard to take it away. Uh, on social media, we can see a lot of false interpretation uh, of this event, uh, of this event, as President Zelensky made a fashion turn and banned the left wing parties. All right. So who's been banned? All right. So the first one is the uh, opposition platform for life. Um, it's well, an ultra Medvedchuk right in the front, isn't it? What's that? Isn't that Medvedchuk right? Medvedchuk right in the front of that photo? I think it is. Yeah. Right on, in the gray, in the dark gray and white. Yeah, you mean right here, right? Yeah, this guy. Yeah. Um, all right. So, ultra conservative party spread spreading conspiracy theories and hatred towards LGBTQ. Its cooperation with occupiers is so undisguised that we don't uh, need to mention it once again. In essence, O OPFF was the main agent. So the thing I like about this. Is this I remember this now about this thread. Is this is a thread supporting Zelensky? Yeah. So, and and so listen to this thread though. The the language sounds awfully similar to some language we're hearing elsewhere. Well, so and so the point is, is they're not even disguising the fact of what they're doing, right? Welcome you know, it, by the way. What's that? Welcome Elsie. Huh? Elsie, another member. Awesome yes. to have you. Yep. Thank you. Like I said, when I when I've got these shares open, it's hard for me to kind of to see the chat. So, um, all right, moving on. Um, charge party. I don't know if I'm saying that well, right. Got the Nazi symbol the behind. So. <laughs> well, that and all the KKK. I mean, clearly, this is the uh, the Zelensky supporters are making these this graphic. To I, I would yeah. assume um, the leader of this party is an outspoken Nazi who hates Roma, which are gypsies. Uh, Muslims, blacks, homosexuals, and everyone uh, whom the Nazis are supposed to hate. At the same time, he is a Ukrainian. Uh, he is he is fighting Ukrainian Nazism led by President Zelensky, who is ethnically uh, he is an ethnic Jew. Yes, definitely a, 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 a study in contrast for sure. And I'm sure I'm sure there's more to it. This is probably a gross simplification. But I'm just going to go with that, right? I mean, you know, whatever. I'm not going to defend Nazis. Um, next, Progressive Socialist Party of Ukraine. Uh, Nazbol Vortex. I don't know what that means. Um, <clears throat> religious fundamentalist, racist, and Russian ultranationalist. Aesthetically, it's a cheap cosplay of North Korea. At the end of the party's life, it simply supported pro-Russian presidential can candidates. All right. I hate North Korea. That I'm good with that. You know, it... Ban North Korea. I'm okay with that. Um, let's see. The Socialist Party of Ukraine. I'm generally okay with banning Socialist Parties, too, but let's see what he has to say. Uh, party was captured by uh, OPFL member uh, Ilya Kiva. The former leader, Alexander Moroz, moved to Belarus to glorify the wisdom and dictator of Alexander's uh, mm -hmm. Lukashenko. And former ideologists moved to the occupied Crimea 
and accepted Russian leadership, citizenship. The funny thing is, if all this is true, then how is this even a party? How is this even an active party? And if it's not an active party, then why would they need to ban it? That's very curious. Clearly, more, more people, there's more people in this party than just that one guy. Um, all right, here we go. Uh, opposition block. And I don't know if that's supposed to be a party or if it's just a general uh, block of support against uh, the, the, the main, the main party. Uh, former zealots of the fugitive pro-Russian president, Viktor Yanukovych, uh, who begged Vladimir Putin to bring troops to Ukraine to suppress the 2014 revolution. A party of corrupt officials and obvious collaborators. I mean, it's obvious, right, Joe? I mean, Ron, come on. It's obvious. Their collaboration. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other parties. And, and who cares about the rest? You know, it's kind of like the Gilligan's, you know, Gilligan's Island. It, it, That's you know, the whole they, just... they made a solid case against three and said, obviously, we're right on the rest. So we have to ban literally everybody. Let's see. Here we go. Well, here's the names. The Nashi Left Opposition, Unit of Left Forces, State Socialists, Vladimir Saldo Block have never been real political actors and occasionally emerged during the election as spoilers, except for Saldo, who ended oh, as an undisguised collaborator. Seriously, when you actually read this objectively, he did eliminate all opposition to him. Seriously. Let's see. the The Ukrainian left had no contact with them. See this this guy is a is a leftist, right? I mean, so the iron the irony is is that uh, you know he is a leftist in saying all this stuff. Um, and I assume that the parties were controlled by head of ultra conservative collaborative collaborationism. I don't, that, is that even a word? No. Uh, martial law is a time of tough decisions. In addition, I would personally not call. Uh, temporary suspension of collaboration, collaborating parties as something brutal. This is not imprisonment or extradition or executions. I mean, I mean, I didn't banning, kill- banning today, prison tomorrow, execution, you know, next week. It's kind of like that scene from, uh, you know, from uh, Starship Troopers. Trial today, execution tomorrow, you know. Well, well seriously, um, though, if you, if you look at it on its basic thing, saying I didn't kill them is not exactly saying we were right. Right. That's correct. That's wow. Uh, and he ends by saying, at the same time, the Ukrainian left, the real left, not the brown, bloody, the red, brown, bloody shit is currently fighting against Russian fascism or helping the front. So, I mean, clearly, I mean, I get where he's coming from. He is not a fan of these guys. You know, when you know, if you ask me about what I thought were radical parties within uh, within the states. I would probably say something fairly similar too. Um, that being said, you know that doesn't make it right. It's just you know that's just that's what we're we're encountering here. So, um, so guys, what do we, I mean? So what what are the troubling kind of things with this? I mean, well, here he's eliminating all political opposition, and he's eliminating all media, and and. I get it. We all want to be on the side of Ukraine. Ukraine is in the right in this. Russia's in the wrong. But they continue to do all of the wrong things to keep people uh, doubting them, right? And, And that's what troubles me the most about it is if I was already being called a Nazi, if I was already being called an extremist and, and all of this, my cat is pushing all of the buttons. 
Um, I wouldn't be taking these actions to prove everyone right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I like Alan's uh, comment here, especially yeah. now that he's a member. Um, the the links that people go to uh, to justify political opposition or violence will always be incredible. Some of these leftists being tossed in prison is okay because we're hurting Nazis. Right. Yeah, or we're hunting Nazis. No, I, I mean, he's he's spot on here. The other thing here Josh mentions I think is interesting. Anyone find it interesting that the American left is now supporting Ukraine right uh, proto-fascist? Makes one wonder about the horseshoe theory regarding the American well, hey, so well, Exactly. And it's like we spent six years seeing Russians or uh, seeing Nazis behind every tree, and suddenly we're blind. I, I would go I would I would take a little different direction. I mean, I, and I'll say nonpartisan uh, criticism of the American political establishment, both right and left. Yeah. Uh, and that is that the vast majority of Americans are are buying the the party line out of Ukraine, Zelensky's uh, marketing hook, line and sinker. Um, you know, Vladimir Putin is an obvious bad guy. His aggression against Ukraine is unforgivable. Yep. These are all these are all true facts, right? And so the best propaganda is built upon, uh, you know, truths, not not fiction. Uh, but then what what do you have to do? You got to shore it up, and you got to use messaging in order and marketing in order to kind of you know increase the emotional support for the for the truths that you want to talk about, you know. And so this is where you see a lot of people. You know, attacking anybody who uh, just who, who said, well, you know, clearly Russia had some problems with NATO expansion and we've been, you know, doing some of the some shady stuff ever since 2008. And, you know, yeah, you know, anytime somebody introduces anything that's counter or shows a more ba balance, then you're immediately tarred with a pro uh, Russia, pro Putin, you know, shill kind of thing. And, and now, it, you know, any. <laughs> it, well, it, yeah, I, I, I've seen your interactions on Twitter. I know, I just I just have a look, good little chuckle uh, but because it's, it's not binary. Right. It, it, it's a non-binary choice. It, I can think that Russia is entirely in the wrong here, but I can also have problems with some of the things that Ukraine does. Um, I can support the Ukrainian people without supporting. Right. Uh, Vladimir Zelensky. Well, the, the, the thing is, is that, you know, we identify we identify similar problems throughout the world. Um, you know, it's rich people taking care of rich people. Rich people always take care of rich people and regular people will always get screwed. Um, that's not to say that you don't have some systems that are way better like ours where regular people can become rich people. But there is clearly an elite class uh, in the world that will will look out for other members of the elite class. You know, you know, if, if the interesting thing is, is. is is Putin's greatest sin probably in the eyes of many of these people is not the uh, the war crimes that he's committed. And I believe he has committed war crimes. It's the lack of respect for the other elites. Uh, elite so. I guess one thing I would say as, as this thing drags on, it becomes less and less and less clear. The morality kind of aspect of it, I guess. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> interestingly enough, I guess, in my fourth book, let me just read the first line of chapter five. There are no Boy Scouts in the world of international espionage or transnational special operations. And I'll let you guys know a little secret. Um, it may not be clearly evident when you read these books, but there's a whole lot of things to kind of think about when you're when you're done reading on the morality aspect. 
And that's probably my only saving grace with Joe because because I know he'll look at that stuff critically and say, boy, he will either say this Mike Bennett guy is a complete, total, disturbed madman, <laughs> which is possible, um, or he'll give it some thought. But, uh, you know, if, if and we've kind of skirted around a little bit or talked about it, we are very accustomed to the last 20 years of war that we have seen as a nation Yeah, relative to, the, I mean, this is the real, real, real deal. And I'm not putting down any veteran, you know, I'm not saying that their service was not harrowing and that sort of thing. Uh, but, but, but think as a civilian being subjected to what is going on in some of these cities that are being encircled by the, by the Russians. Uh, this is going to become more and more desperate every single day as this drags on. It's just going to get worse. And it's, a, it's going to become less and less clear who, you know, who the binary bad guy, you know, very clearly Putin is the bad guy. You know, that's going to become less and less, less clear as this thing drags on, particularly with all this media spin that both sides or all sides or whatever are putting on it. You know, so you just just expect this to to get more flaky as we go down the road. <clears throat> yeah, I'm reminded of the old um, editorial cartoon from uh, was it 1939, after the uh, German-Russian uh, pact that divided Poland. <clears throat> There's the corpse of Poland, and um, Adolf Hitler and Stalin are meeting over the corpse, tipping their hat, and one saying, "Ah, you know the 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 you know slayer of the workers and the you know killer of the communists. You know how do you do?" And and it points out the uh, you know like both both are bad guys. Who do who do we you know who do we choose? And of course, after Operation Barbarossa occurred, then Stalin's reputation in the eyes of the rest of the world was quickly rehabilitated because now he's fighting the the bigger bad guy. Although, you know, you would think historically that we all now know that Stalin is just as bad, if not worse. But anyways, so, yeah, there are no Boy Scouts and there are there are no easy choices. It's never black and white and everything's everything's a moral choice. And um, Zelensky's made his, which he's you know, he's probably fearing for whatever. So he's going to consolidate power and he uh, can consolidate the information so there won't be any more of that bad behavior displayed or criticism of his efforts or how come you're not negotiating more seriously with the russians or whatever so yeah it's he's he's stifling that because he for whatever reason he uh, whatever his objective is to uh, grind this into a meat grinder thinking he can still draw nato or or parts of nato i should say that keep talking out individually instead of as, as part of the nato block to uh, drag them into the war. Well, see, that's that's one of the things is that I don't I don't get the timing of banning the political parties. There's not an election going on. There's a war happening. Uh, it was just convenient for him to do it at this time, and, and that's the problem I have. Right. If he, I mean, if he was truly all the, you know, the the great shining hope that the Churchillian figure that democracy. right he would he would have brought all those opposition parties into a um, a, a, a multi-party government and uh, to you know until the crisis is over and instead of banning them 
I mean, Churchill, since they always like to compare him to Churchill, you know, he brought in labor and the other parties into into the uh, the government during World War II. So it was a united front. And uh, although it made for some pretty uh, uh, chair throwing cabinet meetings, but nevertheless. Yeah. Um, so before we move on to the next kind of Ukrainians behaving badly segment, um, one of the things that I want to realize is that, you know, this is exactly the kind of information that if I were Russia, I'd want to make sure I got it out there. Right. So like on a TV, I think that's out of Azerbaijan, if I remember correctly, um, had really stellar, uh, coverage during the, uh, the initial war in Syria. Um, they were the ones that showed all the tanks, you know, the, do you remember the GoPros on the tanks going, yeah. you know, that, that was some pretty spectacular footage that they were showing. Uh, and uh, anyway, that being said, I mean, I understand this. And, and one of the things that we have to do uh, when we're talking about the information war is to keep our eyes open as to like, what is the motivations of like, Oh, if I hear criticisms of Ukraine, how, how do I interpret this? Well, I, like I was talking to Joe before we went live today, um, you know, I think anytime you hear something negative, especially when it's something like what we're looking at here, where you've got a guy on the side of the road that's giving his personal testimony, right? I mean, so it's clearly not fake. I mean, you had a real guy sitting there that they were talking to. But when you see one of them and you don't see any more, then it's pretty easy to just to say, well, that was either a or super fluke incident. And they just happened to catch the one guy. And trust me, they're looking for people with bad stories to tell about the Ukrainians or um, it's made up completely. And he's a crisis actor or something like that. Well, it's, it's also like, um, as I pointed out earlier, the uh, or I pointed out yesterday on, on Twitter, this this news host on UK 24, uh, the guy who said that he wants to kill the Russian children and all that, that to me, um, yeah, it makes compelling TV and, uh, and all that. But I honestly think he was literally a Russian plant designed to justify their case. Right. You know, he's quoting, uh, Eichmann and he's saying the Nazis were right. And, and I'm going to do this. I mean, seriously, that guy, they claim he's just a Ukrainian, uh, a newscaster, but he's, he's literally a Russian plant. And we have to be very careful of what we believe and what we hear. Well, and, you know, and that's just it. We don't know for sure either. We we can only assess based on the information that we have at hand and, and things like that. And so one of the things that I told Joe is like, listen, I've been kind of watching out for this stuff. And the thing that makes things more credible is when you don't have one or two of them, but when you have a dozen of them or right. you've got 20 of them or you've got 30 of them. And so what we're starting to see, you know, we were seeing stories about Azov and Mariupol um, even before the circle completely tightened up. Uh, and when people were actually still trying to get out, there were initial stories about, uh, you know, uh, Azov shooting at people who were fleeing and even killing some people. Well, now you're really starting to get uh, stories about that. So, for instance, this gentleman here, um, real quick, I'll just go to, you know, the bodies. All right. Can you guys hear the audio? I don't think we need audio. Negative. I mean, he's speaking in Ukrainian, so. Yeah. Watcher's got it all pulled up full screen. They shot them. The bodies are near the apartment. The buildings are covered up. But in the private sector, I've seen them bury them where they live. Uh, let's see what else they say. Did the Ukrainian army help? Uh, it, 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 
no nothing, nothing, no corridors. We sat in basements. Azov, those bitches tried to evacuate. Azov, fuck, executed people, those scum. Azov, dude, they executed convoys of civilians who tried to evacuate. Uh, they shot them up, entire buses. Anyway, so clearly this guy had a pretty pretty negative experience with the Azov, but clearly he he's just a one-off deal, right? Well, well let's, let's see. Yeah, what this he is just a one-off, but there are stories of Azov like this going back to 2014. Uh, the Odessa firebombing of the uh, uh, of, of the Union building. You know, all of these things, They it would be different if there wasn't a history of it. Watcher, go back to that thread. That's a thread of nothing but this, basically the testimonies. I, all right, there we go. Let's go to the next guy. Let's see, let's see what he has to say. Let's see. Go ahead. Let's see. Uh, we hate Ukraine. Why did why didn't the Ukrainian army have no? The Ukrainian army was shooting at us, shooting at people right at our house. Uh, are you happy that you managed to leave? Of course. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Uh, we've been sitting in the basement with children for twenty since the twenty sixth. Since the 26th, um, you know, of course, they're going to bring the kid into it. You know, 300 people were hiding in a basement floor. Uh, one house alone. Why didn't you leave earlier? No one allowed us to leave. They didn't give us green corridors. Ukraine didn't uh, let to leave the city. We were the military arrived and said, under any circumstances, do not leave the city. If Russian Federation opens a green corridor for you, they wanted to continue using us as human shields. All right. And so we're back to the beginning again. And go to the next one. We opened our eye. All right. Let's see. Is this one? Of the, I can't remember. I think the Russian military. This has got okay, a robot yeah. voice. Our eyes sitting in the basement of Terrasport. We were told that the Russian military had entered the city and that the city was being mopped up. We had to get out, go to Port City. Those who had cars left and we had to walk with small children. The cars that rolled by were empty, but they didn't take us because everyone was scared. There were no houses along the way. Everything was on fire. The corpses of civilians and soldiers were everywhere. The children were crying. We walked under the bullets, barely made it to the buses. On the way, the Russian military gave the children sweets and food. All this time, the Azov militants hid behind us like behind a living wall. We were not allowed to go outside. We were kept in the basement for 15 days. They didn't give us any water. The children were screaming. There was nothing. Ukrainian militants just came, put tanks in front of the bomb shelters. We ran away so that we would not be shot at. Retreating, they bombed the bomb shelter in the drama theater, and people, including those wounded by shrapnel, were brought to us. We were all gathered like a herd. Only today, the green corridor was given. We were told that Russian soldiers were shooting people. When our children were leaving, everyone was hysterical. Everyone was crying when they saw the Russian military, simply because they got used to ours, how our Ukrainian troops treated them. You go into the store, you stand in line, they come drunk with machine guns, they push you and make you say, glory to the heroes. That's how we lived all this time. I just have to say real quick, I'm always skeptical of stuff when they translate it and they, they put audio over the top of the original speaker so you couldn't retranslate it for yourself yeah. if you wanted. Yeah, that's true. But most of these aren't that, though, so that's... 
All right, let's go to the next one. Now, keep in mind, Mariupol is a uh, predominantly ethnic Russian area. So even before the war, I mean, this was one of the areas where, you know, Russian thought that they would have a, uh, a little more, you know, support. And so clearly there are people who were generally supportive of, of maybe the Russians in general before the war became ambiguous and then based on maybe negative in interactions with various members of the Ukrainian military, uh, you know, had a different experience. So uh, there's an evacuation. There's a corridor there. Our yard residential is like covered with honey. <laughs> They'd arrive, make some shooting and then leave. They'd come again, shoot and leave. So what she's referring to is the whole human shield aspect shooting from residential areas uh, in order to, uh, you know, basically keep the Russians from shooting at them. This is pretty common in a lot of places where the defenders are desperate. You see it a lot in the Palestinian, you know, Palestinians do this pretty frequently, shooting a lot of their uh, rockets and things like that in Israel from, you know, uh, right next to a school or something like that. Yeah, I think, uh, I think follower... Alan has the uh, has the right of it in the chat there. He says a lot of this reeks of various home guard units from a million wars in a million places. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's right. I mean, so so and, and you know, Holly's comment earlier, not this one, but the other one about absolutism, is um, I is spot on. I mean, just because we think of the Ukrainians as the good guys and the Russians as the bad guys, I mean, that's okay. I mean, you know, actually, yeah, pause on here because this, she's interesting. This is a, she's a Greek, not a Ukrainian. Um, and anyway, so the, you know, the idea is, is that, you know, one side is good and everything they do is fine. And anything they do is bad, basically ignore it in order to, you know, support the good and vice versa on the, you know, those Russian soldiers in Kherson in the video, well, they didn't open up on that crowd. What did they do? They actually did probably the, the, the most common sense thing that they could have done. They backed down and they moved out of the area to, to not cause uh, trouble. I mean, we had situations in Iraq where we, you know, we had U.S. soldiers confronted by ang angry civilians and they backed down and they and, and either they, you know, a lot of times the effective technique was to take a knee in front of the the crowd that way the crowd didn't see us as being you know overtly threatening taking off helmets things like that um and that would usually calm the the people down because they would see that we weren't there to crack skulls or anything like that and in this case it looks like the russians did the same thing so the russians are the bad guys yes we already know that we've already repeated that everybody knows that uh, who loves liberty and loves freedom that being said not all the uh you know the Russians are black hat bad guys in the in the vein of Darth Vader and, and Vladimir Putin. Um, so, you know, we in the West have got to be able to have a clear and sober analysis and discussion of what's going on there. And, and that goes to the point of, well, we are going to end up supporting one side or the other. Or we are going to support, you know, we OK, we choose we're going to support Ukraine. Well, to what extent are we able to do that? Um, you know, if there's a lot of abuses going on in that country, maybe maybe we don't go, you know, completely balls to the wall for the for that country. Maybe we just, you know, give them the bare minimum support, and let them fight their own war. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people who who really feel like there's a moral obligation for us to go in there. While I 
I feel there is a, a moral argument. I don't feel there is a moral obligation at this point. Um, guys, tell me if I'm wrong on this. No, I, I think you're right. I think that on both sides, you're going to see all kinds of these stories come out, both designed to sway opinions, and the truth is somewhere in the middle. Right, right. And I and, and, and just, just so you guys know, I'm not telling you that any of these stories that we're hearing to die are true. Every one of these people could be an actor. I, yeah. I don't think so, but every one of them could be. And I'm presenting it to you guys, you know, hey, here's here's what we're finding. Um, you know, make up your own decision. And if any of you guys are uh, uh, skeptical about any of this kind of stuff, good morning, Corgi. Uh, if any of you guys are skeptical about it, do your own research. Get out there on Twitter and, and the various, you know, get on Telegram, which is where a lot of the original postings are coming from, both in Russian and Ukrainian. And, and see what you see and tell me what you think. I mean, you know, um, go ahead, Mike. Was it Mike or Ron? Me. Um, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the younger, better looking version of Mike. Yeah, yes. uh, sorry, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Just Quite transmitting awesome. a lot of love across the internet here. Pass the burn uh, it, cream. It's, it's interesting. Oh, no, it's not. It's, uh, it's interesting that these reports of uh, Ukrainian atrocities, you know, bad behavior is the mild term, I guess, uh, is coming out now. And it's possibly because there was a feeling by the people releasing this information or, or producing this information um, that uh, there was they were worried that the West, NATO, the U.S., you know, because remember, they're having a, you know, Biden's traveling over there this to Brussels this week sometime to uh, eat, you know, Belgian pudding and uh, stuff. But they were worried that hey, maybe, you know, NATO is going to up the game and, and you know, more publicly choose sides. So now it, it presents that moral dilemma to the political leadership of NATO, like, gee, do we really want to support these guys? Because, I mean, they've banned political parties, they've, they've banned all opposition media or, or uh, you know, non-government media. And look at all these reports of atrocities coming out, you know, and, and we've already ha had enough reporting and, and photographic evidence of Azov and their, their weird uh, affection for uh, Nazi symbology and things like that. Um, so, it 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 gives the uh, it gives pause for the Western political powers to uh, you know like gives the, presents them with a a, a moral dilemma uh, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, uh, that's that's my only one of the week, and I'll, now I'll just do stupid stuff. Um, just so, just I, I, I'm curious. Do you guys have to drink in the morning if I say spot on, Ron? <laughs> Well, you can't drink all day if you don't get started early. So that's right. That's right. We we just we just we just we just save it up for after five. There you go. Well, it's after five somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I I got, I got I got I got campaigning events to do today. So <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly what I want to do. Hey, let's let's vote for the drunk candidate. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh -huh. He's grizzled. <laughs> grizzled. Yeah. Uh, it, Anyway, so let's let's go on with this next one, and I think this will be the last one of these that we'll hear. So this is a Greek girl. She was there in Ukraine, and this is she's talking. I guess she's now out of Greece, or maybe she's somewhere else, uh, but she's being interviewed by Greek television. Um, I, I can't remember if there's sub. I think there's subtitles. No, it doesn't appear to be. Anyway, go back to her. Go. 
here minimize the the image and i think it'll tell her story in the tweet if i remember correctly all right, another testimony from a Greek refugee from Mariupol, uh, Greek audio, a young Greek woman from Mariupol who arrived in Greece. Ukrainian soldiers stopped us and uh, threatened us. The soldiers in uh, Russian tanks were trying to calm us down. So, yeah, I mean, there's a full article, and I, if, I, I think I do remember now that I ended up reading some of the article, but the, the point is, is this is just a, a view of somebody who probably doesn't have a whole lot of skin in the fight outside of just having, you know, lived in um, in Mariupol. And she, you know, she had a different view than than what a lot of patriotic Ukrainians might think. So um, once again, I think she's likely not a crisis actor, um, but, you know, your mileage may vary. Um, all right, so let's go on to the doctor and the and the uh, cockroaches story. This is a have you guys seen this one? This is the uh, you know here's how we're gonna treat Russian wounded. Mm. Yep, I've seen it. It's Let me the, pull it's that a, up. It should it should be the bot. I think it's the bottom. It one. is, but but uh, that browser doesn't want to do it because it's got graphic content. Oh. Well, it's Twitter, you know. Everything on Twitter is graphic. All right. Um, oh, since they're in Ukrainian, I guess it doesn't matter to hear her talk. Well, but the problem the problem is is that it looks like this this version doesn't have the subtitles on it. A actually, let let me go to the ne the next one, and then let's let me see if we can. Joe, can you do me a favor and see if you can find the subtitle version of this? I'm well, tracking down the one it. I dropped last night. I don't know if there's a subtitled version, but I think there is a uh, a transcript of what he said. I yeah, I've got the subtitled version I dropped in the chat last night. Here it is. Yeah. See, I I just linked the wrong one. All right. There we go. Perfect. All right. Here we go. Look at watchers all over it. He is. So he, here's he's the deal. Sure. These go really fast. So I'm just gonna um I'm just gonna pause, pause them, them yeah, once yeah. a new one comes up. All right, so Putin's machinery burns really well. Cadavers of Putinoids stink to high heavens, but become harmless at the end, so to say. I gave orders to my medical staff. You know, I'm a great humanist uh, and used to say a wounded enemy isn't an enemy anymore, but a patient. All right, that sounds okay. You know what she said, used to say. But this time around, I gave strict orders to castrate all the wounded because they are cockroaches, not humans. They are patient cockroaches. Okay. All right. Continue. You know, hearing that, it's um, right. it reminds me of Stan's Slav comment that this is a Slavic civil war. Because in civil wars, this is this is this is the kind of atrocities and the, right. I mean, so it's it's way getting down personal. and dirty, way yeah, yeah. personal. So just let's keep that in mind. But that this also goes to a lot of the the, the things that we're seeing here in American uh, and Canadian media, where we're vilifying anything even remotely Russian. And, and I posted a photo yesterday, half as a joke. Uh, but half serious that at the local Walmart, they've removed the Russian dressing from the display. 
took the picture myself. And, and I mean, seriously, it's not even Russian dressing isn't even from Russia. But the point is, we we are deleting everything Russian. That leads to these kind of atrocities and this kind of thinking. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I think that's right. Um, real quick here. Hey, I never said that uh, anything about this being true. I'm just letting you know that, you know, when you see one of these by itself, not a whole lot of credence to it, right? And even if it is true, it's probably a one-off event. But when you start seeing a bunch of these, then you have to wonder if it, if there is some truth to it. I'm not saying any of this. Drinking water is not the same as cleaning water. I mean, right. seriously. Right. It, it, and, 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 we're, and, and we're getting a very truncated version of all this. Yeah. Uh, and this uh, is why I maintain cases of wet wipes, so I can stay clean, even if I'm not drinking water. <laughs> a spoon is that our is that spoon from our chat I'm, I'm just gonna check our other dm real quick and see if he's well it's spoon 89 here oh okay so i'm just gonna read what dyadica writes her last line in one of her things i expert i expect Worse yet to come. And, yeah. And I, I'm going to steal a very brilliant man's phrasing on this. I'm going to say spot on. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I, I agree with you. Oh, somebody wants to go to the top of the stack, doesn't he? <laughs> you know, have you guys bought Mike's book yet? Because if you hadn't, it's great. Even though I haven't read them all yet. Because I was complaining today about, like, I've got a stack of books of all these people I know. But I have so little time to read, you know, talking I, about like I'm I'm not interested in excuses. <laughs> hey, I'm not I'm not interested in giving you excuses. I'm letting you know the reason. <laughs> what's the what's the maximum effective range of an excuse? 350 meters. Zero. <laughs> what spoon, uh, put what's the chat? cyclic rate of a of an excuse? I don't know, but it's pretty damn fast. Um, all right, moving on. All right, so uh, so anyway, you guys got the nut graph of the uh, of the uh, Mister. We're going to castrate all of uh, all the Russian patients because they're they're not people; they're cockroaches. I mean, this is I mean, this is this is like a, a real guy. This is not some like nobody. This is you know he was a he was he was a thing before the war even started, um, and so he's a he's an actual person. Now, some people have said from Ukrainian Twitter. That, oh, well, you can't see his lips moving. And so it's hard to, you know, it could be an overdub of what he really, so he didn't really say that. Okay, that may be true. Um, you know, like I said, this is exactly the kind of stuff that if I were in, uh, if I were an uh, information operations guy uh, at the strategic level in Russia, this is exactly the stuff I'd make sure that every American and everybody in the world sees, right? Um, and so, so, but the but you guys got to remember, the best propaganda is based in some some form of the truth, um, and so you you always have to give some credence to this stuff. Um, you know, for instance, bad experiences with uh, you know the soldiers in Mariupol, right? The soldiers in Mariupol are under immense stress, and yes, they've done a lot of things that are wrong. Well, now it's when people start fleeing the city. 
that what do the Russians have to do? They have to comb that crowd and find the, the, the 10 bad people, the 10 people who had something bad to say, even when the others say, hey, did you have any problems with Ukrainian soldiers? No, they were great to me. They were wonderful. They gave me food. They took care of my family. Move on, right? You keep doing that until you find somebody who has something bad to say, and then you feature their story. So, you know, I mean, we understand that this is filtered through the lens of information and operations. Um, trust me, I've, I, I wish I could forget all that I knew about information operations because it would make my life so much more easy to, to live. Um, but I can't. Uh, okay, let's move on to the uh, piece de resistance. This is, this, is the one, this is the one thing that you can't say is not happening because we know it's happening. And we know it's happening all over the country from, you know, from from Kiev to Kherson to um, from Kharkiv all the way to leave. This is this is this is stuff's going down. So go ahead and open the uh, public humiliation tweet and 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 the, just the sheer amount. And so uh, I'm hoping we don't get in trouble for this, but, you know, it's worth seeing. Uh, just in case we do. All right. So, um, yeah, and, and you can just uh, yeah mute all this stuff. This will probably get me totally demonetized on this video. All right, thread. So hundreds of civilians have been punished for uh, diverse reasons in Ukraine by paramilitary groups. Uh, and National Guard, strong footage, tortures, abuses, humiliation, even uh, kids and girls. Okay, so what are, what are we talking about here? Um, we are talking about public ab abuse and humiliation of people who did things, and we don't know what they did um, because it's they're being tarred with general terms such as marauder, uh, looter, um, some people were refu refusing to fight. Uh, some are just, you know, they had the wrong, they, they were asked certain words and they had the wrong accent because they, they were Russian speakers. Um, and so these are the kind of things that happen when you essentially dissolve the law uh, and you replace it with martial law. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means the militia unit that resides now in the area where you live is in charge of law and order, right? So what do we have here? We 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 had guys. Look at this. The guys saran wrapped to a tree, and they're and they're beating him. Um, and you know, okay, did he deserve it? I don't know. I have no idea if the guy deserves it or not. Um, you know, you know, me and Joe were talking that it, if if we were in a we could understand in this, you know, the need for extreme measures. Uh, if you were in some sort of a you know, a world without law type of situation or, a you know, into in the world as we know it kind of situation. But I would be more inclined to just either ostracize somebody or, or put a pill in their head. I mean, that's, you know, these are not, this is, this humiliation is, you know, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, you know, if you, if you want punishing them, right? So, so like, like, like I said uh, in the article I wrote about this exact phenomenon was, so you take that looter you caught, you send him away from your town and say, listen, we're letting you go today. But if you come back tomorrow and do it again, we're probably just going to shoot you. We're not going to torture you. We're not going to take you to a tree. Uh, you, but this stuff is the slippery slope that 
makes you no better than what you claim to be fighting. Well, and, and, and let's talk about this pretty specifically here. If I was looking for a way to make Ukrainians more yes. sympathetic to Russians in such a way that they might end up becoming agents for Russia, even in small ways, I think this would be like literally a step-by-step -step guide on how to alienate the most people. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't help but but thinking that they're not creating their own quizlings, you know, through this. I mean, yep. they're, you know, they're jumping at shadows. Most of these people, yeah, did they do something wrong? Sure they did, whether it's steel bread or they, you know, uh, out past curfew or, I, you know, they are probably guilty of any of, of, a, of numerous things. But what they are more likely to do now is to harbor resentment, not care. Yeah, let's go on to the next one. Uh, not care about the the people that are around them, and they're probably willing to use this now personal grudge that they hold against these people to help the Russians once uh, they have an opportunity to. Well, it, uh, yeah, exactly. And it, when I decide that my neighbor John, who's always got letting his dog poop in my yard, uh, once this thing comes up, I'm going to tell everyone he's a Russian collaborator. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and so that's the other part of it too, right? I mean, you don't even have to tell people. I mean, you just, you just, you know, the the leave militia shows up. You know, the guys from leave show up, so they don't know anybody locally. And then you just kind of whisper to those guys, "Hey, the the guy two doors down the house, the red house. He's always he's got a real strong Russian accent. He only moved here after the 2014 thing. I've always had suspicions about him. Next thing you know, they go down, knock on the guy's door." And he gives them a little shit because he doesn't like being, uh, you know, pushed around. And what do you they tape him up to a pole and now the entire neighborhood's beating him. And, and you know, OK, so he had a Russian accent. You think he supports the Russians now? You're damn tootin' he does, because this is exactly what you do to turn people against each other. Um, and as you can see from the numbers, I mean, we're not even halfway through this thread. It just keeps going and going. This is happening all over. You know, it's even happening to females. Um, and so uh, it, and they no say one wants to cut that guy down because then they're supporting a collaborator, right? Mm. So anyway, all right. So this is this is a good this is this is about the best argument that we can say against this. The issue we run into is that we apply and judge these people using our standards of good and bad and acceptable. This is how their society works. Let me tell you what. No. Nobody, nobody was was treated like this before martial law was declared. Yep. This is, and I guarantee, if if martial law were declared in America and you lost the you know regular law and order here, the exact same shit would happen in America. But I bet it would happen worse because we all have guns. and faster. Yep, and faster. All right, real quick. Hunch the Dirty uh, Roofer mem channel member. Thank you very much for five dollars U.S. So yeah, side note, West. Western media has ignored that since 2014-15 that Ukraine dammed up the main uh, fresh water support Crimea, something like 70%. Some might call of that water. an inconvenient truth, right? We don't want to remember that, but it's true. I mean, this this goes this is one of those facts that, you know, that goes to the Russian rationale for why they're here in the first place. Does it justify their actions? No, it does not justify their actions. No, nope. it doesn't justify, you know, bold use of force, uh, the bold, you know, 
but what it but what it does do is it goes to the Russian mindset. You know, they they see this as a you know as some sort of an attack against their people in Crimea, and that's 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 the general you know mindset of of people like Putin and 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 you know the, that's how you get the uh, the resentment between the ethnic Russians that lived in Crimea and the Ukrainians. Well, clearly they didn't like us. You know, they didn't care of us. They would have let us continue to have water. So it it's a it's a it's a dicey situation. And I, I dollars to donuts that the Russians will demand to to retain control of that piece of land where that uh, canal is uh, in any final settlement. Yep, right there, that chunk of land. Yeah, All I'm right. not fighting for the same land twice. I'm not going to give any of it up. I'm sure well, that's the Russian position. And, and why the would reason, they? That's the reason why they want to work their way over to Odessa. Yeah. Uh, so I think we've kind of we've we've kind of beat the dead horse on bad behavior of Ukrainians. What is the the bottom line is not that the Ukrainians are bad people. The Ukrainians are acting exactly as Americans would act it put in their exact same situations. You would have, you know, you would you would you would see enemies where none exist, you would turn on your neighbor, you would you you would use new power and the lack of law enforcement to to exercise old grudges, you know, uh, that that property line dispute with uh, your neighbor, Mr. Wilson, um, is going to is going to go uh, high into the right once uh, there's nobody there to adjudicate the, uh, the disagreement. Um, so that's what we're seeing there. And the, and the sad thing is, is that um, I think, you know, we are not above them we are they are us and we are them i mean you know it's a it's a universal truth scott i mean we we see the same thing in afghanistan we see the same thing in iraq we see the same thing in iran you know pick pick an african country of your choice in in some latin american countries i mean it's it's universal and so it's it's just humans being being human well, you know, the interesting thing, Ron, I, I think Afghan, I think, you know, if you look at a at a at a village up the, you know, up the pest or something like that, you know, you know, somewhere along in there, they're way more uh, able to rule themselves without any external kind of because they have a stronger, you know, local bond to each other and they have you know, power structure. Right. You know, well, we those are the, those are the rural Afghans. I'm, you know, but yeah. I was well, thinking yeah, like I in know. Kandahar or, or Herat or, or Kabul yeah. or, you know, places like that where it's more urbane and, and people are packed <laughs> together. Cause in, in small villages, like in the Pesh river where I spent way too much time and always missing my fly rod. Um, you know, yeah, the people are all pretty tight. They're a lot of them. I'm sure intermarry and, a lot of a lot of a lot of DNA cancellations, but well, it's it's it's, it's kind of like your district. I bet you wouldn't have too many trouble too many troubles in your district. You know the there's 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 a there's a handful of uh, of Democrats running around, and and that's okay. It you know <laughs> keeps keeps us on our toes. Amen, brother. Amen. Oh man, the Pesh, man that that place is beautiful. You got to admit, it I never. Is. I never made it around the corner up to up into the Korangal, but uh, the Pesh was uh, was pretty nice. Spent Nongalam, too much time in the Korangal too. Yeah, Nongalam's as far as I got. I didn't get any further than Nongalam, but 
the interesting thing was that by the time I got to Nongalon, there was an American around to be seen, so it was a little hairier. All right, uh, let's see. All right, so real quick, let's let's jump back to Kursan. Uh, one of our uh, one of our uh, uh, OSINT badasses, uh, uh, Spoon, gave us a piece of video. Share a. Hey, do you have that watcher, or do you need me to share it? I do. Just pulling it up now. Just don't show the second one because we don't want to be demonetized. <laughs> yeah, the the second one's the, the shooting. So this, so we earlier in the show we showed you the video of the protest, and so I, evidently this is the other shoe dropping uh, the next day. Yeah. So this is Kurson. Uh Protesters showed up again, and apparently uh, this time the Russians actually did open fire. The second video does show some casualties, uh, civilian casualties. Uh, we'll have to wait and see more. But apparently, as we've been warning all week, that if you continue to do this to armed forces, this is exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, they only have so much of tolerance for this type of thing. And, and like I said, wrong, but they're going to do it. Yeah, like I said, it, you know, the the soft lieutenant who didn't want to sh kill anybody showed up yesterday, and when he went back to his captain and got his ass chewed, the captain made sure, you know, the guy who would give the order went out. Same as uh, Tiananmen Square, right? I mean, yeah. yeah. And and so, yeah, it, it, I, we have no idea what the casualties are or anything like this, so this is clearly something that's developing, and we'll have a better picture Um to be able to talk about later. All right. I got one more topic left. You guys want to talk about NATO at all or, or, or are you guys about culminated? The only thing I want to say about NATO is no. Yeah. So here's my Stan, you know, I, I was thinking about this topic, but Stan dropped a, a really good comment and I want to, uh, I want to, let me, let me read it. His comment basically was, um, is NATO too big to be effective? With divisions seen so far, has has that shown an alliance to be hamstrung around senior members' reticence versus newer, closest members to the action, uh, and hamstrung by all or none nature of Article 5 or by Russian nuclear capability? So essentially, you know, the idea, there's a couple things there. Thir what is it, 30 NATO members now? Is it 30? 29 or 30, yeah. It's too quote. many. So about 30 NATO members, right? Um, is that too big? I mean, is, yes. you know, it's kind of it's kind of like, you know, if, especially when everybody gets a vote. Like, you know, so essentially if, what is it, Albania says no, when everybody else says yes, then, then yeah. we're... Albania is like, me and my 15,000 troops say yes, and you and your 500,000 troops have to go along with me. Right. Well, but that's just it. We don't have to. I mean, any one country can essentially turn the whole thing off, right? You know, you know, Poland gets hit and Albania says no, or France says no, right? Yeah. Then it's a no. Then it's a Poland, you're on your own. Can they say no to Article 5 stuff or does that trigger they automatic? Can. They can. They can say no. And here's the other thing that... From my understanding, is that Article Five then goes to the UN, and the UN has to actually uh, uh, give Five. it authorization. 
Now, the other thing that they haven't considered is uh, Article Eight. I think that I think. Hold on a second, Ron. I think that's the case. I didn't. I didn't realize that until just the other day. And so I. I I'm sorry. It. I don't. I don't give a shit about Article Five or or the UN General Assembly or Security Council. You know, I am not. You know, as the United States of America, I don't have to sit there and and get rid of my national sovereignty and my national interests because some some Yahoo country in you know says hey we're going to do this and all of a sudden i'm committed and you know it's not in my interest and so those well, that, those treaty obligations are they're, they're all well and wonderful but when it when you know when it comes down to it you know you have to you as a nation have to like seriously consider is this in my national interest you got to be france and france is always very very concerned and very uh you know articulate about their national interest instead of just blindly going along with whatever. See, just no, for... I, I, you know, Ron, I think it's, I think it's literally the other way. It's like, it's not easy to, even if we wanted to go along, which I don't think, I think that's the next set, part of this discussion is, you know, should we even go along and, and, and then what does NATO look like if, 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 if that split happens. Right. But just the actual process of, of, of activating article five, is not like a snap. There it goes. It's you yeah. know, you, you know, it's it's this ponderous bureaucratic process that well, any one it, country can shut off. You it know, depends so, what the stimuli is. I mean, if it, you know, on, after nine eleven, Article Five was the first time implemented. And, right. You know, it yeah. Was pretty so easy. pretty easy. I mean, if Especially, Russian troops invade Poland, you know, without provocation, um, you know, that could be that could be a uh, you know a the, the thing where, you know, oh, my God, but, you know, with everybody in NATO, NATO's not talking. And I've said this a thousand times. They're not talking with a unified voice. Right. So, yes, it's too big and it has weak leadership at the top. The secretary general is allowing individual countries, especially the frontline countries, to make policy for NATO that NATO isn't ready to, uh, you know, back up. Yeah, I I think that the I think the entire impetus for the formation of NATO needs to be reexamined. Um, personally, I don't. I'm not saying that NATO is right or wrong. I'm just saying that you know it, its existence needs to be reexamined. Uh, well, I, I think I think that you know when we when we rapidly expanded to the east, you know, basically absorbing into NATO the old Warsaw Pact countries. We uh, now those chickens are coming home to roost because we no longer have the buffer between Soviet Union, Russia now, and and NATO. Now it's NATO is literally on the border of well, Russia. It, yeah, and, and I think that's why it was so easy for Estonia to vote for a no-fly zone in their legislature. Right? They right. weren't getting the the the, the twenty-eight uh, Estonian aircraft on this. They were betting <laughs> the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of American and British aircraft on it. So say this. Okay, Estonia, go ahead, knock yourselves out, enforce a no-fly zone. Let right. me know how that works, and they won't. And, do it. and we're we're we we have the the NATO has that Baltic Air Patrol, which is a rotational yeah. um, duty of different air forces that they send in there to help the Baltics protect just their air sovereignty, um, and to send a whatever kind of message to Russia. You know, it's. So, so you know, when I started kind of going through my kind of you know, really rethinking my international, my understanding of international relations and what, what kind of philosophies I think is the right way to go. At first I was like, well, we need to adopt a more realist stance in, in, 
in foreign policy. And I think we need to, you know, look at, you know, the fact that you things like the UN and NATO are usurping our our sovereignty. And and so we shouldn't be part of anything that does that, right? That that was kind of like my going in proposition. But then I started to come up with a more nuanced response. And so my thought is this, is we are the most powerful country in the world. We are. Even in a, in a multipolar world, we are still more powerful than, than both Russia and China. You know, despite the Russia's nukes, that's literally the only place that they they have parity with us. Um, they have a they have an economy of the size of Texas. Um, you know, and so we and we and we've seen the effectiveness of their military as of lately. Those guys have got to go back to the to the uh, to the uh, to the workshop on their military. So that being said, well, what do we do with NATO? Well, we need to start acting like the most powerful country in the world. And we need to start taking control of these international institutions that we have. We we set up NATO. We set up the U.N. Hell, we even set up the League of Nations back in the day. The problem is, is that these I mean, come on, you know, it was it was what's his name? Woodrow Wilson's folly. Um, that's the reason why it sucked, because he sucked um, anyway. Anyway, the point is, is we've set up these international institutions. And what we have to do is we need to get ourselves in the driver's seat. We need to make sure that these international institutions are going to behave. Uh, you know, if you know, when you give countries like China and the Soviet Union veto power over your in, international institution, you essentially are letting the foxes into the into the, the hen house. What you have to do is you have to boot members that are essentially, uh, you know, working against the, the purpose of of these institutions you know it, and i think we i think you know this is where we kind of go back to some of the things that i you know, i don't want to get into into politics per se but i just talk in policy the last president um, really had some strong opinions on nato and while i don't necessarily think that we should withdraw from nato what i think we should do is we should hold our uh, partners feet to the fire and we should continue to publicly shame them uh you know, the sad thing is, is is germany is now only changing its tune when Russia comes beating at the door of a European country, you know, everything was great, you know, and now, oh shit, we don't even have a tank that can roll out to defend ourselves if we needed to. Um, you know, our OR rates are in the 20 to 30%. So, you know, we, we just need to, it's not that inter international institutions are wrong. We just need to make them effective and we need to be hard asses about it. We can't just kind of let these be debating clubs or, uh, some sort of welfare for countries who are, hey, are hey, basically going to stab us in the back. Hey, Scott, I, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to agree with you provisionally. Uh, it, it really depends on timing, and and, and I'm only saying that because um, we are currently seeing an, an administration that's that's negotiating um, treaties with Russia and Iran, and that should give you an some kind of indication of how effective today we would be pursuing what you're suggesting. Um, but it, but it certainly is w w without a doubt, um, a concern that needs to be addressed. You know, the, this NATO, uh, Alliance needs a software patch in a big way. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, that I mean, that's a very rational, reasonable thing to suggest to all all these thirty uh, occupants of NATO. And we've talked about it a little bit before. 
you know, we, we've, we have stretched the NATO charter so much at in the very least since the nineties, it's completely unrecognizable as to what it was originally intended, intended for. So yeah, no doubt, no doubt that the, this needs to be relooked and you're, you're absolutely correct. We need to have hard nosed, uh, switched on negotiators that, uh, relook this thing uh, in a very realistic way, you know, and, and I think after this, you know, war with Ukraine and Russia, there's no better time for everyone to go, okay, let's clear the fucking air. Uh, you know, let's relook this thing and, and, and get to work, roll our sleeves up, get to work. But I don't think right now is the time to do it. Well, I think right now is the time for everybody to uh, you need to look inside yourself. And if you haven't uh, subscribed to the channel or hit the like button, then you need to ask yourself, what the fuck am I doing here? You know, Nick Ricada says that uh, after two hours in a live stream, you can say whatever you want. Oh, is that true? That's, that's what I'm not going to test it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I agree. I think um, <clears throat> when, uh, when the last president <clears throat> tried to uh, very hard to uh, get NATO to at least adhere to the uh, the two percent <clears throat> defense spending rule, um, the hue and cry from all sides of the you know both here in the U.S. and in Europe was, uh, and even within his administration, I mean Secretary of Defense Mattis certainly wasn't a, a strong advocate for that, and um, <clears throat> because. They, uh, they, they've gotten very used to over the, what, 50 years or so that NATO has been in existence, that the U.S. is going to carry the water and, and, and be, be the big kid on the block. And I get being the superpower and the most powerful country and yada, yada, yada. But, hey, if you guys, you know, you Albania, you Portugal, you know, you guys want to join this alliance, here are your responsibilities. You don't adhere to these things, you're out. And I don't give a shit if NATO yeah. then looks like a, a patchwork of, of countries because there is no <clears throat> unification. I mean, the only countries that, you know, seem to really take it seriously were, uh, were, were, the, were the new members because they wanted to like, hey, I'm, I want to be a part of this club. And uh, a lot of the other countries were like, yeah, no, but I can veto any U.S. actions, which we saw a lot when NATO got involved with ISAF in, uh, in Afghanistan. They, they vetoed a lot of U.S. actions, either by a direct veto of saying, yeah, no, you're not going to do that, um, or by just um, not supporting anything. And so we were kind of like, well, gee, I guess we can't take out that Taliban or that Al-Qaeda stronghold because we're not going to get support from pick your nearby NATO allies. So it, <clears throat> you know, it, it really soured me on the alliance and it's, it's, um, it's, it's not not all that it's cut out to be. And even and even this meme that Watcher's showing right here, you know, the UK even would uh, would withhold uh, support in a lot of cases. And uh, they tried to, uh, God, I still remember General Butler uh, basically demeaning U.S. efforts and everything like that um, when they took over uh, what later became the Marine Area RC Southwest um, demeaning us. And, and he basically told us the U S the, you know, command and control there <clears throat> that, you know, we're, we, we know how to handle these Afghans. We've been here before. And of course 
<clears throat> being the smart ass in the room, just so you don't think it's only exclusively for this, this podcast is uh, I said, yeah. And how'd that work out for you all those three times, by the way, general, did you know that, uh, that the old Afghans that we talked to in the marketplaces down there in Helmand, they're really eager because they want they want to start collecting uh, British para berets to add to their collection of uh, the old pith helmets and the uh, the old Lee Enfield rifles and whatever else war souvenirs and loot drops they can get. So uh, you do you. Needless to say, I'm I'm I, I almost got PNG'd from Britain, but nevertheless. <laughs> well, I, I just want to toss this in Watcher's little uh, theory corner, if we will. I have had a personal theory for a long time that just as the U. Boy, somebody doesn't like your theory. West, you should try. We got to try it again. We lost you. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think the Russians are hacking your system. Speak. It could into be, the but essentially, just as we use programs like Star Wars to bleed them dry, they've been using NATO to do the same to us. Well, that's well true. I so so. I, I, I love I love coming back to Mersheimer because it allows me to then say if you don't believe me go listen watch the videos of him but um, uh, one of the things that I've really kind of taken away from his recent criticisms of of uh, of, of Western foreign policy in the last couple of years has been the idea of the uh, liberal hegemony um, which has been essentially the foreign policy going forward from the fall of the <clears throat> Soviet Union up until this point. Um, and the UN and the NATO were essentially set up as tools of international institutions to serve the the purpose of liberal hegemony, which is the idea of making the rest of the world look like a liberal democracy, like America and Europe. Um, and that's not the case. I mean, I mean, Ron, does that shit work? No, you you don't know how many times when CODELs, congressional delegations, or or their staffs, or even visiting SACURs or um, you know pick your uh, your your chairman of the Joint Chiefs uh, du jour would show up, and one of one of my lines <clears throat> was you know because they would complain about this and that about Afghanistan governance and and everything like I said look we're we're not turning these people into a Jeffersonian democracy, um, you know. We're not gonna we're not gonna be here for twenty generations. <clears throat> we're just trying to <clears throat> excuse me. We're just trying to, you know, prevent a re you know, we're trying to get to the heart of Al Qaeda. This is all before, you know, Osama bin Laden was uh, was schwacked. Um but you know, so and it was such a shock to these people. They like, no, we gotta turn these people into more like us. It's, just, it's never gonna happen. They're not like us. They don't have the same background. I mean Second, a, a short aside story um, <clears throat> during a deploy, uh, an assignment to Tashkent in Uzbekistan, um, embassy party, which was great. You know, you get to remember what sem semi pretty American girls look like because um, it was <laughs> it turned out to be the almost the never ending deployment. Um, the uh, there was a lady there from um, Department of Justice and she was very earnest and very oh i'm 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 so purposeful and she says she was there to um change the uzbeki um, legal system to reflect more more western values and this was i mean uzbekistan had been independent what in this was 2002 or 3 you know only for what 10 years and i'm looking at her like why are we trying to change them into us why can't you just you know do some basic stuff like respect human rights instead of 
having them adopt, adopt an American legal code. Oh my God. I almost got the drink thrown, her drink thrown at me, but you know, it was, anyway, it, it was a lot more, uh, I was pretty inebriated by then anyway. So, well, yeah. but yeah, it was, it, but there was, there's, there's a lot of that hubris that we have in, in U S and, and Western institutions that we walk in and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, you know, to far borrow a, a, a phrase or and bastardize it from British colonial. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to turn those little Brown people into more like us. Well, it ain't going to happen. And that's why, you know, when decolonization happened, there was so 